0: sit down take off your bra if you like <laughs> 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 get comfortable take off your shoes what episode is this now 47 oh, 47 let me, let me tighten you up there sucker
1: tighten me up tighten me up cowboy was oh, that, it?
0: Is that it? that's it mate that's nah, this bit oh my bad I fucked up
1: oh that. so you go and tighten yours but not tighten mine like, oh going yeah.
0: you have to get the thread perfect before you can actually hook it on
1: and tighten it up and because I'm a lanky bastard, I like to fucking have the mic directed upwards, you know? Yeah. I'm I'm a, I'm a lanky guy.
0: We both aren't with the same height. Are we actually? Maybe a few centimetres. I don't think anyone gives a fuck about how tall we are. <laughs> I think they give a fuck about the cavemen back in the day. Cavemen. How did cavemen seduce women back in the day? Because you've got to think about it, right? This whole concept of, of I really struggle to pronounce this word, chivalry. Chivalry? chivalry 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 yeah well when i concentrate really hard on it i struggle to say shrivelry um some people just have those words they can't uh, fucking pronounce you know there's there's this thing that's kind of it's something we've adopted over the last i don't know how long shrivelry has been around for i mean at least the 11th... <laughs> that's gonna
1: be a meme you're yeah. going shrivel right
0: <laughs> 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 that's way before the what what do they call it? Neolithic period before agricultural. I'm talking when we were, our basic 150, basic of basics, yeah, 150,000, 200,000 years ago. Didn't even have words, you know. Yeah, when it came to mating, it was just you got pounced, and that was it. <laughs> pounced. You got pounced, and there was no chivalry There was no no. But you know, imagine them like the cavemen at the dinner table.
2: <laughs>
0: You're not going to see Frank Butcher with his little <laughs> spinning bow tie.
1: <laughs> The caveman chest hair in a bow tie. That's <laughs> how they impress <laughs> their
0: women. They get their little chest
1: hair into a bow tie.
2: And, g- g- get out of my
0: cave. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think, right, there were cavemen that masturbated to their own drawings? Like archaeologists. They, they yeah, fought- but was it was the cavemen that drew it, drew them. Well, who, who else did them? The ancient aliens. Ancient aliens. That's a can of worms in itself, I me. Mean, <laughs> I mean, that
1: is a can of worms.
0: I went down quite the rabbit hole this week studying the simulation theory among other things
1: and yeah but the before sorry before you start like the simulation theory encompasses a lot of things not just one basic it was first linear theory you know it's like fucking branching
0: so nick um, a man by the name i think it might be swedish he's definitely scandinavian named nick bostrom so, I've heard of him yeah. So he did a uh, he did a paper. He did a, he did a paper for K- Oxford University or something like that, and it was talking about the simulation theory that we could well be living in a simulation. I mean, this concept's been around for a while, like even in uh, like science fiction works. Philip K. Dick, he's your go-to guy when it comes to the simulation theory. The fact that the world we live in might not be real in the way we think think it is, and I've taken loads of notes on it. So we're gonna break it down bit by bit. But if you want to go through the uh uh talk about the history of love. I also did study and all that as well. How how did we go from the cavemen that just pounced on their female counterparts in order to spread their
1: We went we went from the cavemen to fucking lighting Yankee candles and like putting <laughs> petals on beds.
0: Yeah, they're sprinkling them. Down, down the foyer into the bathroom.
1: Who has a foyer? <laughs> <laughs> no one watching this podcast has a fucking foyer in the house. Fuck's
0: sake. <laughs> I was just thinking about that film, Along Came Polly, where right? I have a <laughs> deep foyer. appreciation for the film, the Ben Stiller film, Along Came Polly.
1: He had a good, he had a good run. He yeah. had a few good hits. There's a scene
0: there? like the concept of the movie is, is that this guy, gets, this insurance guy gets uh, married and it's all happening in the opening, opening credits. He's getting married. It's the love of his life. They go on their honeymoon. There's this French guy played by uh, Hank Azari, the guy that does all the voices for The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. He's a good actor. He plays this French guy. He pulls it off. And He's like underrated as shit He is isn't he? He pulls us off Proper really underrated well. Underrated, he is. So they, they go off to go scuba diving on their honeymoon. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ruben Pfeffer, that's the name of the uh, character that Ben Stiller plays. He's like a real uptight insurance guy. never takes any real risks. Is and,
1: Long King Polly the one where
0: they go to a curry restaurant? yeah and he's anyway. sweating profusely yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah he yeah. has ibs so <laughs> at the beginning of this movie uh his wife goes off with the hank Azari character the french guy to go scuba diving he's an instructor and he's like yeah yeah i've got to take care of some errands and all right he's not feeling scuba diving goes back to the boat he's got the champagne the glasses and he sees his wife's getting fucked by this french scuba diver and he's like ruben ruben it does not what it looks like they still got their flippers on <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and Philip's, philip philip seymour hoffman's in this film as well there's yeah. a scene where they're doing basketball what is, i was about to ask you that what does he say before he shoots he says something um rain dance white
1: chocolate oh, make it rain and it yeah. just
0: breaks it goes boing every time he goes to do a basketball movie he just misses and he goes white chocolate <laughs> make it rain make it rain
1: and just goes dunk
2: yeah <laughs> i love that shit huh?
0: he ends up meeting a, a, a quirky kind of hippie girl played by jennifer aniston mm. who he ends up fallen for fall, even though she's the complete opposite of what he's used to
1: see when jennifer aniston's in a film and she's playing a love interest to like vince fawn or something you're like this isn't fucking realistic there's no fucking way <laughs> jennifer aniston's fucking vince Vaughn in real life imagine him with his fucking like is uh
0: this fucking is receding what did you call it in the last episode uh, what well, we talked about receding hairlines and i was, I was saying about um <laughs> what was it tap out? Hello,
1: Robocop it looks like fucking Robocop Robocop receiving yeah. hairline Vince Vaughn's got the Robocop bro no, there's no way Jennifer Aniston's fucking him there's no fucking way that's a, that's a simulation in it's fucking self how he got landed a role to fuck Jennifer Aniston in
0: a movie alright so I was learning the history of love right <laughs> so anyway simulation theory <laughs> no because right. the reason why I thought I'd tie in the whole history of love is because it kind of ties in perfectly to the whole simulation theory because there's a lot of questions that come with the simulation theory like how do you define consciousness how do you define a soul because that's all going to tie into all these sorts of things because you can be hit i'm going to be saying a bunch of things and you can be hitting me with loads of questions
1: but that was the plot anyway because i knew this i knew this was going to happen so because i'm obviously the thing you do well is like you you say things you you bring up the knowledge and then my brain will be triggered and i'll start fucking remembering shit I've learned over the years, you know, so it's good, it's a good balance, and I like it. So, and I like asking questions as well because you're a smart guy and you can near enough pretty much. Yeah, if it. I
0: don't know something, I'll just be honest, and be like, I don't know, but well, exactly, yeah. So, it's a lot about the history of love because it goes all the way back to the ancient Greeks. Right, Here's a little bit of interesting. you I might have already told you this, but this is interesting, a little bit of trivia for people who are interested. Um, so going all the way back to the ancient Greeks, um, they in their mythology they theorized that. Human beings that at one point had been basically perfect. They associated gods with like perfectly symmetrical like circles. Is that because of the sun? Maybe. Maybe it may go back to that. And so these human beings, they had two faces, two sets of eyes, two sets of arms, you name it. And because they turned their noses up to the gods, they wanted to punish the human beings. So Zeus cut human beings in half. So that's why... The express that's where the expression "the other half" comes from, comes from Greek mythology. We spend the rest of our lives wandering, trying to find our other half, because you just cut human beings in half.
1: I I I tend to vibe with ancient Egyptian mythology more than the ancient Greece.
0: Yeah, I don't know why. It's all interesting stuff because I mean, you know, it wasn't just like you had Plato as well. Our uh, Plato plays massively into the the, the simulation theory as well, when I want to introduce that. But when we're talking about love, you look at Aristotle's and he talks about mirrors. He says that people around us can be like mirrors because because we're stuck in our own heads, we can't really see all of our characteristics. We just mm-hmm. kind of, be, you know, when you can't see outside of yourself, unless like you meditate or take some fucking good drugs, <laughs> have an out of body experience, but we're kind of trapped in the same shell all the time and Aristotle talks about mirrors. We can see ourselves in other people and that's how we grow. Because if, you, if you're if you someone that's just constantly within your own solitude, you're just lonely, you're not gonna grow from that. You have to be around people to kind of see yourself in those other people, that the ghost characteristics.
1: I'd argue you can. I feel like, I, mentally anyway, I feel like I grew a lot more in the past four years. I've been kind of friendless, really. Then, then I learned a lot more about people. I wouldn't say I learned educationally wise, but more about people. Like,
0: you know what I mean? There's so many different philosophers. Philosophers. Philo- philosophers. <laughs> the power of editing, my friend. Philosophy. <laughs> keep it.
1: No, philo- Philosophers. <laughs> <laughs> Philosophical.
2: No.
0: Er. Uh, ends in er. Uh.
1: <laughs> Philosopher.
0: <laughs> yeah. Fucking hell, Plural. I, I can't. What is wrong with you today? Philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: not the power of editing, in the sustain.
0: Phil officers.
1: <laughs> You're taking the
0: biz now, surely. I'm not. I'm not. I'm red faced with embarrassment.
1: <laughs> Philosopher. <laughs> Phil
0: <Philophysis. laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. So, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Say it slowly. Phil officers. <laughs> no, no, surely not. I can't, I've been writing these words down all week. I can't even fucking say the all word. All right,
1: philosopher, go. Yeah. So
0: <laughs> as, as you were talking about, with <laughs> I'm sweating. I'm so embarrassed, Sean. I'm so embarrassed. I'm ashamed nah, of all, right, all this knowledge, all right. and I can't even articulate it. Um, all right, sorry, go. We go, go right. back to a... <laughs> I'm scared to say the word now. We go back to this, uh, this sort of renaissance period. There's a man named Jean-Jacques Rousseau. He talks about l'amour de soi, love of oneself, which is exactly what we're <laughs> <you're laughs> talking about. He was a philosopher. <laughs> you said it. You no, fucking didn't, said it. No, you no. did. It was, he talks about l'amour de soi, love of oneself.
1: Who's this guy's name again? Sorry, yeah. I was
0: not composed. Jean-Jacques Rousseau. Right. And this is like the neo-Platonism.
1: Neo-Platon, how, far, how far back is this? 18th
0: century, 19th century
1: it's the 19th century is that the 1800s
0: yeah right. so he's kind I of confused like the 20th 20th century in the 21st now yeah exactly yeah, it's always one behind but yeah so i'm kind of skipping a little bit here but i was talking about Aristotle when he talks about he also talked about a concept known as philia it was like the love of one's character not just intimacy like you could love someone outside of sexual relationships and then mm-hmm. it was continued on with a man named uh Marcella ficino he expanded on it. it's like you can love someone for their character but you could also love someone for their mind their soul what what their moral standing is in life
1: i reckon that's just natural love though uh, like emotional love like loving a female
0: or male whatever you love a thing because plato talks about it says so like you can have love for an environment for mm. a, for a hobby, for a thing, you know, it bring it brings us closest to our divine selves. That's what all these people were talking about. Um, you look at Nietzsche. Nietzsche kind of expands on Rousseau's talkings when he talks about. Is it Nietzsche or niche? I don't know. Don't fucking get me started. I'm sorry. No, it's just it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's
1: a joke in Entourage, oh. uh, where um, Ari is this like big time agent, and he's got this uh, client called Vince, and um, what's the ask it's fucking in miles away. Um, <laughs> and uh, he's got this client called Vince, is the actor, and then Vince has got this friend called Eric, who's his, his buddy, his long-time buddy. And Vince uh, lands this movie role, and the agent's proper happy, and he's got his painting in his... And Vince wants it for his girlfriend's birthday, and he's like, I'll take you, off the wall and that. And then the the agent's, like, uh, assistant, he tells him it's fake. And he's like, oh, it's that niche is fake. And he's like, oh, ain't it, ain't it niche and they're arguing about the whole episode and then the girlfriend at the end is like it's it's niche. Niche. niche niche I mean I don't fucking know I just say niche just I just don't know a tangent it. about Honorage watch no, Honorage
0: because he's German isn't he I think so different nice <laughs> <laughs> that's how it's mate. Right. but he talks about um, yeah he talks about love of oneself as well he elaborates on Rousseau's teachings he says but when it comes to self love it's not in the sense of narcissistic behaviors is not of uh of self-indulgence but like genuine appreciation for who you are because that will earn respect like nobility and that that will attract people around you to be like oh i like this person's character so that brings people closer to you because you're talking about your time in solitude like yeah it's going to have you do need people we need that connectedness in order to grow otherwise we just stagnate and just you know we shy away from the world but th- there's pros and cons in both of it it's good to be in your own company it's you know the balance. It's good to be in your own company to be able to reflect and not have distractions around you, so you can get on with your project. So you can get on with your, uh, you know, building on yourself. Because uh, there's people I know of who will constantly be in company of other people. They cannot stand the thought of being well, sat that's, down. That's nothing. what I was
1: doing before, and taking a step back for that time made me realize. You know what I mean? Maybe I sh- maybe I was alone for a bit too long, but. It made me start. To realize a lot more things and uh, about myself as well actually like who i am more and what i enjoy yeah. more and what i want to do in my
0: life and shit. you know well, yeah having that time to yourself is good again it is balance you know to reflect on things and understand who you really are because there's a there was another philos. i can't say that why can't i say the word today phil officer. can you
1: actually say the, the word and what's
0: I, I can say the word, just for some reason today, it's just gone. Philos, Philos.
2: <laughs> I can't.
0: I, I swear, I've been like hypnotized. Someone just hypnotized me, it's like you will not be able to see this, say this word, and it's really thrown me off. So
1: every time you need to say philosopher, just point at me, and
0: I'll say philosopher, 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 philosopher. Yes, there you I go.
1: Got it back. Fuck it out. Philosopher. Huh. Just remember the fur. Fur. Yeah. Fur. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I'm certainly a teaching how I say philosopher. Philosopher.
0: Right, philosopher. So there was a philosopher by the name of uh Spinoza. 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 Can't remember his That's full name, but he was he was Dutch. And he talks about um passive love and active love. So passive love is almost like what you see like codependencies. It can be very toxic in relationships where an individual is dependent on the other person in order to feel a sense of wholeness. Whereas active love is where, because don't forget, this is like the Renaissance, post-Renaissance period where existentialism and uh, uh are these, rational... are these um, theories
1: on love, what was this? or how
0: love's evolved over time. Yeah, I mean, these are the, the the teachings over the years, over the decades. Like you know, I went, I kind of skipped past like the Roman era and the, what's called the troubadours, which were the French oh, fuck people. Fuck that, they were like the cavemen, fucking Romans. No, Doink! no, 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 no right. You want to talk about Roman philosophers? Go uh, for it Alright so there was Two in particular That, that came across in this book This is a book by Simon May Called Love A History Right So during the Roman period you had, Can I just ask Before we go on Sorry Why the
1: fuck did you Start learning about Is it because we, we spoke about No no stuff. no
0: I was writing a short I'm writing a short story collection Which I'm aiming to publish oh, yeah, at the end yeah, of this yeah. week And one of the short stories Is based on a first date So I thought I'm going to learn about love And uh, I made notes on it But over the weeks It's just sort of Stayed in my head Rent free mm-hmm. uh, Going back to these Romans There was two in particular There was um lucretius and ovid so they were both kind of lucretius in particular was quite wary of love he saw that it could change people you know we talk about you look at it from a um bio biochemical perspective you know the oxytocin and the, the vasopressin all these chemicals in your brain that kind of change you temporarily like anybody can relate to it that's been in love or has felt that initial lust with another human being where um those first few weeks, the honeymoon period, they call it. Your whole behavior changes. You get this high sense of motivation to do good. To And we wear this facade where we want to present our best selves, our idealistic version of ourselves. And then six weeks into it, you know, you're leaving your clothes around, go yelling at you.
1: Yeah, taking shit in the pillow and that, yeah, man. <laughs> Classic. Classic yeah.
0: relationship goals. When the partner's like, yeah, I do, I'm up for anything Oh, Zelda, I fucking love Zelda. They don't really love, they're just a poser. Yeah, man, I've, I won't name any
1: names, but I remember seeing this chick and, like... Obviously, I'm a diehard hard Metal Gear Solid fan. It's not, like, my favourite. Oh, carry on. <sighs> Sorry. Um, yeah, I was a die-hard Metal Gear Solid fan, and she was like, I love Metal Gear Solid. And she started trying to explain some of the bits in the game to me. She was like, oh, yeah, fucking... I can't really remember the bullshit. You can't really remember bullshit, do you? Like no. it was just like, oh, fucking snake had a skirt in the elevator, and I was
0: in my head. I was just like, I'm still gonna fuck you. You gone? <laughs> yeah, you still. <laughs> <fine>. You still. <laughs> so Lucretius was quite wary of uh, of the whole idea of love. He was just like, it's it's quite frightening what it can do to people. It can change people. It make them crazy. But mm-hmm. that that joins onto those later ph- philosophers. I have to like really be careful with that word now I'm gonna get ripped by my dad now he'll be he'll ring me up and he'll be like, <laughs> he deserve it and he there was another it. one who came about 50 years later named Ovid and Ovid accepted the teachings of uh, Lucretius but he said his attitude was I'm paraphrasing was just get fucking stuck in it's a high it's a rush mm. it's like these feelings you get yeah love can be dangerous but just go for it like meet different people learn about yourself learn about other people Going back to Aristotle, people are mirrors. We learn about ourselves and we grow and we develop as we interact with all the different people. When we present our vulnerable sides to certain partners in life, Mm -hmm. we learn more about who we are by articulating a lot of things that we keep within ourselves, hidden from a lot of people. And then when you finally begin to build that trust of a partner and you start to open up the door a little bit and show some vulnerability, you learn so much about yourself and they learn a lot about you. That's
1: why therapists make so much fucking money. I know
0: because they're like spreading the sessions out over time to dig and dig and dig and it does take time as well i mean but trauma i did a book on trauma but we'll do that another episode yeah trauma is a whole can of worms man i know I, i'm I'm prolific i can't stop reading
1: <laughs> no no but I, I i get where the trauma thing's coming from because we mm-hmm. did have a good conversation with uh donna about it so yeah. yeah and then
0: moving forward a little bit we go to the 11th to the 13th century and we start seeing what's called the french poets who were quite high esteem poets called the uh, the troubadours? The mm-hmm. Troubadours were essentially just a bunch of mad shaggers. Good indie band as well. <laughs> Are they? Mm. Are they actually an indie band? Yeah. Okay. I've only had one song called "Give Me Love," but I don't know if they exist. Oh, that Do ties you know, in perfectly because they were French poets that often
1: spoke. That's probably about why about the them. song's called that. Honestly, I, I listened to them years ago. I don't know if they're still a band now, but they they were on Scuzz and stuff, and like a like a new band thing. And mm. that's one of their songs called "Give Me Love." So that's pretty mad, actually.
0: Yeah, cool.
1: <laughs> See, you, you, baby, you, you fucking, I told you at the start. You
0: just pinging my brain. And this is playing into the simulation theory about how everything comes full circle, one way or another. No matter what direction you go in. But yeah, so they worship women. They talk about the same way the kind of the Tao speaks of the, what's called the eternal feminine, this this spirit or this essence of sort that is so powerful. These troubadours were enamored by women. And they wrote poems about women. Mm-hmm. And so I'll just breezing over that little segment of the book. And then we get to the Renaissance period. I mean, the, I, I kind of skimmed through the Hebraic, you know, the Jewish teachings and the Christian teachings, because I didn't I understand what they're saying. Christians, uh, well, the Hebraic scripture was uh, love thy neighbor as if you'd love yourself and it'll bring you closer to God. So... It's just a bunch of heebie he, jeebie he he bullshit, in it? Yeah. So I and it's, it's the same with the Christians as well. Like, they're no not, offense if you're they, Catholic, they, they talk about divine love is the way to communicate. actually no offense. Yeah, it's a way to communicate <laughs> with God. But I was more into the Renaissance period. Mm-hmm. You know, Proust, Rousseau, Spinoza, Ficino. You know, I, I like the way it kind of has a psychological aspect. to even even uh, um, Freud had his own take on it as well. But I breezed through that one as well. It, it, fucking Sigmund, Sigmund Freud, big old Sigmund. <laughs> Sigmund yeah, like cokehead he was. <laughs> yeah. But what I'm, the point I'm making is, that what I found so interesting was, that is I, as I was reading through these, as I was taking notes on these uh, different people throughout history, especially the more recent ones, I'm starting to connect the dots, my like, I, I could pinpoint moments in my own life where I demonstrated those characteristics, whether it be that the ones that Lucretius was wary of, the crazy. Behaviors of, mm, yeah. and but it goes back to, and I apologize when I'm rambling, but when it goes back to Spinoza's teaching of passive and active love, if you haven't got your shit together, and you think that this person's the one is going to make all be the solution to all your problems, that's passive love, and it can be very toxic going down the line because you, you haven't got your shit together, and if you have those moments of solitude in your life and you manage to be the best version of yourself and be like okay these you acknowledge your characters you're like this is what makes me happy this is what makes me sad these are the problems that i have if you can acknowledge that and address those and then you go into a relationship that's active love because you're not dependent on the other individual mm-hmm. to give you happiness you lift each other up rather than depending on one another and bringing each other down because that's a toxic relationship that's that's passive love that pretty much covers what i'm saying and then
1: what my version of ideal love is right and it's only me this is coming from me it's not like everyone's different in it or they they see love differently but being comfortable like say say for example you were the girl i was dating (laughs) (laughs) but like would be sitting here do you know what my ideal sense of comfort is being able to sit in the same room as someone and be quiet and not feel awkward
0: comes from Pulp Fiction doesn't it comfortable silences yeah that's amazing that's that's when you know you can be comfortable I don't
1: think I've ever had that with a girl like do you know what I mean
0: I get you I mean I've
1: had girlfriends and I've I've been in silence and obviously probably not noticed it but I've never really been sat in the same room with a, a female that I've
0: been into and felt uncomfortable when it's been silent I think that can be a, a, an insecurity in some people that always has to be And maybe noise. it's
1: me because I'm an awkward motherfucker as it is so maybe it's just my fault maybe it's something I need to change but.
0: We all have flaws though that we bring into relationships. We all have these flaws and again it's all about acknowledging them and knowing who we are and working together as a team to work around them. But um, yeah, I think I pretty much breezed over the whole love thing but the reason why I brought it up is because if we're talking about the simulation talk the simulation theory we kind of have to ask ourselves the question like what is love? Is it this mystical thing that this yeah, but now, you, now,
1: now you've said that you could say the same thing about every other emotion
0: well, yeah and then you could argue it from a neuroscience perspective it's, oh, it's just these chemical precursors that lead to one thing like I said I have mentioned about oxytocin you know mm-hmm. this inherent need to reproduce it's like I, we kind of trick ourselves we hypnotize ourselves because it's a biological necessity in order to perpetuate our species is that what it really when you break it down is that what love is I think that's what reproduction is
1: I don't think yeah. that's what love is
0: yeah I know what you're saying because like, like you think about unconditional love like the unconditional love you have for Leia, your dog you know that's real love isn't it that's not but going back yeah. to Aristotle going back to Aristotle again it's like that Philly or, or, or Ficino talks about it goes beyond intimacy it goes beyond sex repro- um, the need to reproduce it's loyalty, like loyalty respect it's... of one's character respect of of someone's qualities and where they stand
2: mm-hmm.
1: it's hard to tell though man it's hard to say because if you've never experienced true love how would you ever know mm. do you know what I mean like it's hard to it's 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 easy to read what love is supposed to be but actually feeling that feeling like if you've never felt it how do you know
0: yeah and there are people I know of who have been Experienced such disappointment in relationships, such heartbreak. Then gone back to it. Well, even not even go back to it. Some people I actually know who completely stay away from it because they 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 see nothing, the pros and cons of it. There's so much cons for them in terms of heartbreak, and they like they just stay away from. It. Again, going back to that, Lucretius is like it's dangerous. Stay away from it. It t- it changes people because mm-hmm. it's like a drug in itself. But anyway, I'll wrap it up by just saying. I brought that up because when you think about you know um what is love is it something outside of this reality something that that cannot be measured something that cannot be quantified because it goes into the simulation theory which I was going to bring up I mean I've been studying this book I can't remember the guy's name but he was tying it back to like video games and you look at the evolution of video games since the 1970s the first home video game was in 1972 here's a question
1: from the audience then
0: what's love so um the first commercial video game was um, Pong in 1972 by Atari. MIT had like video games that they had, but so this book was talking about text text adventures. Yeah, you know you you. Uh, so uh, hold on, then was obviously the book text adventures come before
1: the computer text? Yes, yeah, so you have so, books yeah.
0: coming. I mean, the books still exist to this day. Mm-hmm. Read long RPGs or whatever they call them. Yeah, right?
1: but mate, they're still very popular. that Like I remember my mum got me one a couple of years ago, it was a zombie one and I was so into it, like trying trying to read through and
0: different yeah. escapes tragedies, and shit. For mate. those who so don't so good. For those who don't know what like these uh text adventures or uh adventure read longs are, you'll get this book and you'll have like a little inventory, like a little map maybe with you. And rather than be like a regular book where you just turn the pages linearly is that even a word? Linear. In a linear fashion, mm. these types of books will say da 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 da, and then you have to make a choice. So you, you you change over, you turn over to page fifty-five, or you turn over to page seventy-three, depending on the choice that you make. That's how these books work.
1: Like as a story, sorry to interrupt. They're not engrossing to read, like them, but as a choice thing in your brain, it's so like. You want to carry on reading to get to the next choice, you know. You, you you want to make that choice. You're not reading like, like oh, Stephen went around the corner and you decide. You know, what I mean, you're not reading it like oh my god, this is such good, well written. Yeah, know yeah. it's You're just reading it because it's your own yeah. personal.
0: I bet there's a there's someone out there, like today, or maybe in recent years, who was actually a really good writer, but they couldn't catch a break, so they just took the job of being a adventure read along. God. I
1: mean, that's what a lot of people are doing now with children's books. You see all these celebrities r- making children's books because it's just easy to write, and ch- children are going to read them no matter how well written it is. True. You know what I mean? Their dad reads it to them; they're just going to enjoy it no matter what. And your celebrity's name's worked on it, and they're like, oh, Mad Lucas has written a children's book; it must be hilarious for on a one-year-old. I went.
0: I went on oh. my mum's TV, right? You are. I went on my mum's TV. It's got like it's a smart TV, so it's got all the Spotify and all that in it. And I click on it it's got all the podcasts that she's been listening to.
2: Yeah.
0: Fucking Gemma Collins. Gemma Co- I was like, mine better. Izzy. Yeah. Izzy. We've got two cameras now. <laughs> Gemma Collins podcast. What, what's it about? Gemma Collins. You're just talking about herself? Yeah, about the time she fell over on the ice rink uh, and <laughs> dancing quit, on ice. Time she quit, I'm a celebrity. That time she cried gravy. <laughs> <laughs> hey,
1: she was in the, I'm a celebrity. Do you know how they jump, they're supposed to jump in? She didn't even jump out of the plane, and then she got she like lay down the first night, and she's like, "Not for me."
0: Yeah, she lasted. Three I'm a days celebrity. And she quit, and then and then she was crying, and uh, obviously all her mascara was coming off. And I remember mm. I didn't even watch it that season, but I just remember seeing the meme on Facebook. She swallowed too. it shut. When Gemma Collins, Ooh, <laughs> that's really nice. <laughs> Gemma Collins, when she cries, she cries gravy. <laughs> um. So her <laughs> podcast was up there on Spotify. Ours wasn't. Which I was disappointed by. My mother prefers Jim Collins over my rambling, so there you go. I'm a my mum doesn't even fucking watch it, bro. So you put you put a clip up of some of that we did two weeks ago, and she's like, "I oh, can't wait."
1: Yeah, I can't wait for this. Yeah, mum, you can't wait for it. Bloody watch it then. We'll
0: see it. It's up. It's up already. So these uh, are <laughs> text adventure video games on computers back in the seventies. It would literally it would come up as a like on black and white. You are in the forest. There are two paths, left or right. And then you'd literally just type, go left. Mm -hmm. That's the first text adventure games. And uh, as we get into like the 8-bit era, 16-bit era, in the 80s, you get to the Nintendo Entertainment System and the Mega Drive, you actually have a screen to look at. You can actually see what's going on and get in some map. And so this guy is explaining the evolution of all this. And then we get to the 1990s with the 64-bit systems. And then we get to now with the virtual reality headsets which I got given for my 30th birthday and it freaks me out. Like I'll put on the VR goggles and I know it's not reality. It's pretty obvious. They're still in the early days because mm-hmm. you're having to render three dimensional objects there and then, which is a whole completely different ballpark compared to what you see on, on a, on your TV screenplay and your Xbox one. Mm-hmm. It's just because it was, you're in it. What well, was explaining, he was explaining how, um, how our eyes perceive three dimensions. And it was so weird, like in order to mimic 3D, one object has to be closer than the other to give the illusion of depth. And it tricks our eyes. And it's the same thing with virtual reality, because that's what it is. You're in a 3D environment. And now we're only in the early days of it now in 2022, but there will come a point where it will become indistinguishable from our current reality. And that's what the book talks about. He calls it the simulation point, or what Ray Kurzweil refers to as the intelligence explosion. Because you look at the, in the last 100, 150 years, how far we've come with technology. I think, I can't remember, I think it was called electromechanical. It was basically a bit of card, and it would punch holes in it, one or zero. And that's basically how code works. One is open, one is closed, and that creates a sequence of code. And that was the first computers, electromechanical you just fed these cards through and then it progressed onto vacuum tubes and then we get to where we're at now in the 1970s we have integrated circuits you pull back your remote control or your phone there's going to be an integrated circuit board on it and then we're starting to hit a glass ceiling on what we can do or how much we can do with integrated circuits and so now we're going to go to the next level And it's like Ray Kurzweil in his book that came out 15 years ago he theorizes it could well be 3D molecular computing or photons or whatever it is and that's going to take us to that next level that's going to take us to the simulation point or that's going to take us towards the intelligence explosion where we hit what's called the fifth epoch of evolution which is when machines become indistinguishable from people and what
1: what epoch are we on now then because that's dangerously close
0: we're on the fourth epoch we have machines but they're not sentient
1: yeah but there's a lot of machines out there that very do very do they do the job of humans they just you can it's got that uncanny valley vibe to it
0: still though where you can still tell yeah it, it's getting there isn't it because there was that robot doing the rounds i think her name was sophia creepy as fuck man and she'd be on tv she goes and she'd i don't even know Suck what my
2: dick <laughs> Pierce.
0: yeah in japan and that in <laughs> korea you've got these robots i shouldn't that, say that but no, but there are machines out there that are designed to they be are, fucked. They are. They in are in Korea, South Korea, in in in, in Japan. Cars? You
1: seen that documentary with the guy, cars. People fuck cars. Yeah, You've that guy that? that was kissing it. Yeah, that no, goes back. He Fucks the hose pipe. The well, that, pipe that, like...
0: that, that just goes back to love, isn't it? Aristotle's Philia?
1: Hose <laughs> pipe. You need a quite small dick to fit, fit your dick in a hose pipe. I meant to say the engine, the engine pipe at the back. The exhaust pipe. The exhaust pipe, that's it. Yeah.
0: That's all right. You fucked up on that and I fucked up on it, philosophy. I can
1: imagine you had a hose pipe at the back of your car.
0: <laughs> it was just a hose pipe instead of a fucking... Mate, there were probably people back in the day that fucked the tree bark. You know what I mean? <laughs> How Those... do you fuck a tree bark? <laughs> like, the tree that branches out and you just kind
1: of... Yeah. <laughs> It'll be a tree bark is very specific. It's like, just a tree bark do you mean like a you seen that tree that looks like a fucking vagina yeah you mean like one of them things yeah that was probably someone's girlfriend back in the day honest (laughs) to god mate like oh my god what would what's like an old name pet pet gertrude Gertrude. oh my gertrude look at that tree has an amazing vagina
0: (laughs) a shame the lips look a bit like a punched pizza (laughs) Who am I? And the woman's like, "Oh, it's one of those rubber trees." No, it's not, because <laughs> you know when you cut those rubber trees <laughs> yeah. in South America, like that white residue comes off of it. That's uh, not a rubber tree. <laughs> That's not rubber. That's tree. semen. That's a semen tree. <laughs> <laughs> That's Gertrude's cum. <laughs> Sorry. So anyway, the simulation point. <laughs> yeah, anyway, simulation. Yeah, carry on, Daniel. Nick Bostrom comes up with this thing as well that I found really interesting. He talks about um, who's Nick Bostrom. Nick Boston, because his name's ringing a bell. I mentioned it earlier. He was a guy back in 2003 that came up with the whole simulation theory in the first place. He did like a detailed paper right, okay. on it for Oxford University, I think it was. And people went crazy for it because it's only really in the last 20 years or so since we've sort of... Does his theory still hold up or does, well, is yeah, it been like changed over the years like to suit? Not necessarily because it's timeless. It's a timeless theory. And uh, one of the things I found interesting is when he talks about... I've actually, I've actually got it written down. He talks about um, ancestor simulations. Right. So his idea of ancestor simulation is that there are civilizations out there that are so advanced that they've built their own like next, like levels of technology that are incomprehensible. And they've created the reality that we live in today because there was another thing I didn't mention on the last podcast when we were talking about space was um, a thing known as the Kardashev scale. So Kardashev scale came from this, uh, this Russian guy back in the 60s. He talks about the different levels of civilizations. So there's type one, type two, type three civilizations. We are 0.75 on the scale. So a type one civilization is defined as one that can um, manipulate all its natural resources to perpetuate itself. So mm-hmm. using the sun, using high, uh, you know water, wind, you name it. Not fossil fuels, but like, all the natural resources available to us, and we could probably get to a Type One within the next 100, 150 years, according to this scale. A Type Two civilization is next level. We're talking Dyson sphere, a machine that can
1: harness it, the energy of the sun.
0: Harness the energy of the sun. You can. It, it, it's possible in theory. You can build a machine that can harness the power of the sun. No,
1: to, no, no, it's not even a theory. If you like a Dyson sphere inside a Hoover, if, if you made one big enough, mm-hmm. uh, obviously it's gonna take fucking a lot of effort and work, you could harness the energy of the sun. It's literally fact. Yeah. That's fact. That's what means I, it means And I can never remember the the Chinese scientist dude's name, Michi He's got a weird name. Do you know who I'm on about? He's got like long grey hair. Oh, Doctor Michikaku. He's the one.
0: He's genius. I mate. don't think he's Chinese. Sorry, I, for, he's, forget, Asian. he's forgive
1: Asian. me for getting your nationality wrong, but yeah, he's amazing, man. He 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 talks about all this stuff, and, and like some of it is theory here and there, but Dyson Sphere, he was talking about it fucking years ago, like 2011, 2010, it's fact, mate, it's an actual fact. Well, you make a big enough Dyson Sphere, you can harness the energy of the sun. Yeah, I mean... And I don't know why we're not doing it. Why don't we make a fucking this Dyson Sphere as big as the Earth?
0: Why it, the fuck don't we do it? Because it has to be this bigger than the sun to work. That's a lot of effort exactly so any any civilization that's wait I ju- ju- hold on
1: actually i don't want to fucking say it as fact actually before it might not be but i'm sure no
0: it's possible in theory in theory it's possible it all works I'm out i'm sure it's been proven though that you can yeah you can't i'm just saying practically how are you going to build something that is uh i used to remember the diameter of the sun something like four i want to say it was 4.3 uh, i can't remember something million <laughs> that's like kilometers I might be wrong. I was going to say 4.3 million kilometers in diameter, but it could be anything up to 200 million kilometers in diameter. I don't know. It's, it's one... a big boy. It's a big boy. It's a big old boy. Because <laughs> I made a joke about it once. People saying, "Oh, the sun's trying to come through." It's like a ball... <laughs> the sun's a big ball of hydrogen. Right, the big boy's here, mate. It's, it's not it's trying there. to do anything. It's just cloudy. Kind it's of... there. It's just going round. Yeah. So, type two civilization would be one that can harness power the power of its own sun. It's... Carry on, no, I was just saying, like, so that would be a type two. It could harness the power of its own, of its, of its host star. So what the fuck's a type three then? So type three plays into what, type three is the universe. Type three is galactic, like they're like colonized. Shit. Yeah, they've colonized their whole galaxy, and they may potentially be ones who could have the technology or the means to have these ancestor simulations. So we could but be we trapped.
1: Would- uh, they, we would, ne- they, they'd surely just have the technology to stay like under the radar without ever
0: fucking. Yeah, but why would they need to? Like, goes into the, the whole matrix. Like, maybe we're being used for their power. Be they're using our power. Because
1: if we knew something was fucking light years ahead of us in technology, it would blow our tiny little fucking minds, and we'd be like, "Well, we're here for no reason." Then, like, there's something that already exists. That's what scientists and that would think automatically. Like, well, what, what the fuck are we doing if if they're up there? We're fucking billions of years behind them. What's the point? What's the fucking point? Why maybe, don't they just come down and kill us all now? Or
0: or or help us? Maybe we're just part of some sort of experiment and they're watching us. We're like in this big menagerie.
1: That's it, man. This could all be a fucking their simulation.
0: Yeah. And they're watching it. But, but, but think about it. Why do we build simulations? Because we do it too. We're just... We're a little bit behind. So we're building these simulations for what? Entertainment? Could we potentially be like... You know, these... Type 3 aliens uh, Plugging into us To this experience why, this reality
1: This is why like Big Brother It, it seems silly But it, it's like a test And it It starts off all fun And Like everyone's making friends And then it, gradually It grinds you down And you're You're doing all these Fucking tasks
0: But you think about dreams And that's
1: what a game is yeah. starts off fun and then you start getting better at it harder things start coming out and then it becomes well,
0: a task here's one for you then right so at the beginning of this book it introduces a bit of eastern um, um spiritualism the idea of karma so karma being that when we go into the next incarnation of our lives we have this sort of uh arbitrary task list and there might be things that when we die we think oh no i haven't I didn't do that I didn't do that I didn't do that right. so we go back into we go back into our next incarnation and do it all over and do it all over again with making sure that we tick off that list and you can compare that to a video game with extra lives that's what the book was saying right
1: yeah that makes sense
0: you know that's the idea but of karma because then it's
1: got to take a certain level of faith and belief to believe you're going to get that reincarnation like you know what I mean you've got to be on your deathbed bed, fucking believing in because I am a huge propi- proprietor of karma, right, and, and I just think it's basic common sense to good things happen and good things are going to come to you, sometimes maybe it's not the case, but generally, rule of thumb, that's what happens, if you're a dickhead, shit things happen to you, look what happens to bad people, they always get fucking caught out in the end, Like, uh, like, look at the people that have been fucked over recently but they're all assholes most of them and that's for a reason like when when there's anything bad obviously stuff's happened to good people but like i firmly believe you do good things good things happen and and yeah because we've been doing good things for a year and good things are happening to us and i feel like like we
0: deserve it you know interconnectedness is like Sometimes we'll meet people That are a lot closer to home Than we realise Like that guy At the shop yesterday Yeah There's crazy. a guy There's a
1: This adult. one's for the Corby people That have been making up Fucking bullshit About the Chinese Chippy
0: that Used to go Be up to them Yeah Go on oh, Do you want me to tell it? Well I mean So I've been going to the shop About three times now It's in the middle of Weymouth And I don't know what you call this shop. I mean, they sell scented candles, scented sticks, oils, all sorts of cool shit. Yeah, it's like a, a fragrant shop, isn't it? Except fragrant without, shop. like, perfume and shit. It's not perfume. It's, like, elders. And, and he's always... There's a Chinese guy and there's a white guy. I can't remember their names. I'll have to make sure I get their names next time. But yeah. they, they always have the laptop up and they're playing, um, like, a YouTube station that's just is it, there? Is, is it they did they create it? i don't know he gave me it's in my wallet it's up there in my wallet but he, he gave me it and i looked I checked it out it's real cool vibes just real chill and um i just got chatting to him because again there's there's something there There's like there's a good vibe there that i liked about these people and then i yeah, finally that was
1: really cool and nice as well he was giving us some good advice yesterday yeah
0: and then it turned we make a bit of small talk and he reveals that he was from corby catherine Leicester. He's from Leicester and the other guy's from Corby. And he had the. the, the no, eight.
1: he was from Kettering, but he, he, he worked in Corby with yeah, his he, family. He had the Chinese restaurant. Yeah, Chinese slash chippy. And uh, I, I always used to see on like Corby Chats back, Corby Dane's Home News, and that people ask him where they are. And then there'd be people in the comment section saying, oh, they've gone to fucking some country, they've moved back with their family, all this bullshit and that. The guy fucking works in a fragrance shop in Weymouth fucking blew my mind mate honestly blew my mind how how crazy and small this world is like blew my mind like they just disappeared off the map <laughs> people making up rumors and here he is in weymouth obviously with his family like it's crazy with a nice little small business on the go mm. like crazy how small this world is obviously there's a lot of people from call me around here and i probably know a lot of them but just it just dark oh, it's crazy like it's hard like if people didn't know that dude was from corby like people watching this from america that like, ain't gonna have a fucking clue what we're on about but like it just proves how small the world is you know
0: well that we're in a simulation yeah, we're In a we're <laughs> simulation yeah literally because when you think about it yeah, there's this joke that people make sometimes where you go on holiday whether you go to spain or you go to america or you go to some place and you start to see people who resemble people like, you know, back home. Like a doppelganger. Like a doppelganger. <laughs> yeah. And I think to myself, it's, it's almost like the simulation has ran out of assets.
1: Or well, do you get the one where, like, someone you know will be like, oh, I thought i seen you on the bus yesterday and you, like, weren't even on the bus. No. Yeah. Someone's, see- no?
0: I've had that before. I like, oh, I thought I saw someone. And I'm like, was not me? Like and people say, oh,
1: I said hi to you and you just ignore me. And I was like, oh, that wasn't me.
0: It's only through other people's perceptions that I, f- I realise how ignorant I must look when I'm on my own because when i'm on my own i'm just in my own space i've got my headphones plugged in i'm listening to music that's, a head- no, that's
1: the headphones thing if you've got your headphones in your brain's concentrating on the music so like your face is just blank you know
0: i was waving to you because like know.
1: when you're listening to music you're, you're not looking at yourself right you? so you don't know how you look but honestly your face is just that's how your face is when you're listening to music you're just in the vibe the moment in it like yeah maybe that's a simulation as well like it's controlling your thoughts and imaginations.
0: I mean, that whole section about love, saying what is love, and it's, I mean, with the simulation tool, you can ask the question, what is consciousness? Because, you know, there was this book I was going to bring up to you by a man named Richard Morgan. In 2002, he published a book called uh, Altered Carbon. It got made into a Netflix series in 2018, which the first season's really good. I recommend it. Some people say the second's good as well. My girlfriend no. liked it. I didn't like it too much because, well, I'll, I'll get into the, they changed the main character, but, but they can because of the plot, the main plot device of it. But for those who aren't familiar with old carbon, the, the whole premise is, is that hundreds of years from now, we have the technology where we can essentially live forever because we have what's called uh, stacks that go at the top of our spinal column, and that stores all of our consciousness like a hard drive. So if someone dies if, and, and the body is referred to as a sleeve, so anytime someone's sleeve is destroyed or killed, then that stack can then be taken and put into another another sleeve. If the sleeve is damaged or destroyed, then that's in the book that's referred to as RD, real death. Um, but what was interesting about it is, like people who are poor or impoverished, they would get like a, a state donated sleeve. So one of the opening scenes in both the book and in the in the, in the TV show, the season one, you see the main guy coming out of he's in his new sleeve and he's coming out he's got to work with the cops and this girl shows up because their parents are waiting for her she'd been hit by a car so they took the stack and put it on your sleeve but the sleeve is now no longer that of a six-year-old girl but now that of a 70 year old woman and she's like mom mom and the parents are freaking out and the guys there are like sorry that's all we had that's all we had left to give you like a free sleeve Mm. but the people who are rich in this are known as messes which is um, short uh, short for, me, me, I struggle with this word anyway. Never mind, philosopher. <laughs> Methuselah.
1: I, I don't know that word, so it's, I can't help you out there. It's a
0: biblical character who lived for like 900 odd Sounds years. Sounds a lot like Medusa. Yeah, it does a little bit, doesn't it? Hmm. Methuselah, which I'm struggling to say, was a biblical character. Oldest person on the planet. Do you but... know who Minerva is? No.
1: It's a it's an ancient Greek god. I don't know if it's of death or love, though. It's one of the two.
0: Right. Well, these uh, aristocrats in this society are called messes because they have the money to get clones of themselves made, clone sleeves. So they can kind of perfect what they want. Well, they can just have copies of themselves, sleeves, in storage. So they're not going to have to worry about getting a 70-year-old woman's sleeve if they get hit by a car like that young girl did. Mm -hmm. And they can have what's called, um, I think it's called uplinking. Like I said, this guy was way ahead of his time because this was 2002 that this book came out. And he was already uh, demonstrating scenarios like the cloud that we have today, where it doesn't just save on your device, it can save on the internet, in the cloud, and on some server. That's what he called uplinking or telelinking or something like that. So these rich people, their consciousness is like backed up every 48 hours. So if they get killed there and then, they can just uplink it to 48 hours ago. Like if they get RD'd, Mm -hmm. if their stack gets destroyed, so they can relive they can relive again because yeah. it's all saved on the, on the on the on the uplink whatever it's called it gets put into their next clone boom good to go and these people are called messes because they live for hundreds and hundreds of years but i think one of the messages of the the novel is is that they kind of lose a bit of their soul along the way because they become reckless they become you know what i mean like they don't really know what their purpose is they've been alive for 800 900 years i don't want to give away too much of the plot but it's very interesting because the, one of these messes gets murdered and he wants to find out who murdered him, so he hires this uh, um, Kovach, His name is hires this Kovac, who's been in prison for like two hundred years. He's been locked away, and uh, he he gets brought back in a new in a new sleeve, back on Earth, where he has to help find out who killed this guy. Because he's like someone's trying to kill me, and he hasn't got recall of the last forty eight hours, because of the uplink, so. And the reason why I bring that up is like we're trying to define consciousness. I was thinking in that particular story, consciousness is stored in a in a stack. How far in the future is it set? I can't remember the top of my head, but we're talking hundreds of years from now. Because we've colonized other planets. makes sense. That actually,
1: it's quite an accurate representation of the future, of what it could be.
0: Well, I said this to you at dawn is right. If we assume that we're going to know everything at some point when it comes to every single how, how to map the brain and how to map dna which we've kind of done already but like understand. do you mean like
1: instantly we're just being able like to say you think of something then bang, bang you already know the answer without even well the
0: thing is like for example what makes this microphone there are, there are a bunch of people that know every single component of this microphone and they can replicate it and build others because they have the knowledge of what does what that's just engineering though isn't it? engineering but there'll come a point where our understanding of biology and chemistry and biochemistry and neuroscience where we'd be able to define every single component component how it works and why it works to the point where because what do you think when you think about what is consciousness it's a is it a, an accumulation of all our senses put together to kind of paint this picture or is it something more than that and even if it is something more than just our five people say five senses and they say there's more because there's balance there's other things as well but let's just say for argument say five senses yeah beyond those f- those five senses there's consciousness but even that in itself is shrouded in mystery and we can kind of speculate on what that is. But what if there comes a point enough in, in the future where we can define it and break it down every component and say we can replicate consciousness now. All that mysticism is now gone. It's like when, you, when a magician reveals to you how they do their magic trick. The mysticism's gone and now you're just seeing a cause and effect. This, you know, X and causality. X and Y, What is the relationship... In order for Y to happen, X has to happen. I think you're asking questions no
1: one knows the fucking answer to yet, mate. Yeah. And I think consciousness is like what you believe it to be.
0: I don't know. I don't know. But I'm just saying like in order to have these stacks in the future, there'd come a point where scientists would understand, oh, we can actually replicate consciousness. We can store it portably so that when someone dies, we can just transfer it into another sleeve. Because when you look at, like, you know, this is a bit morbid, but you know, I have to bring it up. You know, I've seen a dead body. You've seen a dead body. It's like when you look at something that's dead, there's an absence of something. We know that we just see their sleeve, their shell. You know, the vessel that they carried around for their whole life, and you know, something disappears in that process between that transition of living. And dying, or life and death. So, I'm trying to think. What I'm trying to say here why I bring that up. It's, it's so fucking mind blowing. What, what you know when you try to think about it, it's like, what is that essence of life? And can you just put that back in that person? You know, I think that's the
1: question. Fucking scientists have been asking for years, isn't it? What is life? But you know when we it, it goes beyond consciousness as well. Let's just say and it can break. It can break the smartest man. That question.
0: Yeah, well, it's like when physicists try to understand what like, quantum mechanics. Because imagine physics. a physicist
1: from fifty years ago that, that would be alive now. There's probably still is quite some old physicists going about, but shit today would blow their fucking minds.
0: Well, remember I told you about those um, postcards that were drawn up in 1899. Yeah yeah. They thought what the year 2000 would look like. And um obviously this is before planes had been around, but they had the dirigibles or the um blimps. The, the 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 blimps, the floats, blimps. The, the the air carriers. That was the mode of transport for the air back then. So they theorized that the year 2000 would consist of uh, firemen firefighters wearing like these wings that would help them fly up to put out the fires they've theorized about. I mean I know it's probably just just for fun, but it's interesting to look at. So, anyone that's curious. you got
1: to think as well. People back then would still be highly religious. So, a lot of this stuff would be based on that as well.
0: Well, not so much because don't forget, religion started to take a little bit of a downturn during yeah, the Renaissance eight, period. In 1899. The, 1899. Yeah, religion still could be a thing, but not like it was in this, the medieval Queen period. Queen Victoria. Yeah, Queen Victoria, right towards the end of it. Yeah, going like, into that Victorian Edwardian. The British people would still be quite, quite Catholic. Mm. I, I
1: would imagine
0: but there was very little religious overtones in these depends what country the postcard was france i think it was french so for anyone that's curious just type in on google 1899 2000 predictions and it should come up with them on google images and um and they also saw these air carriers being part of like the firefighters like everything was air carriers there was a picture of children in a classroom with these helmets on their heads being fed into a, a machine where the teacher was shredding books so the idea was is that that information was going to be downloaded from those physical copies of books into their brains but it's funny because even though it's the year 2000 it still has a victorian edward uh, georgian sort of well it'd be victorian a victorian uh, aesthetic to it wooden floors and the, the the way they dressed
1: you ever seen that um video of the chinese kid i don't know if he's chinese but he's asian and he's uh he's like looking at the book you know, and then he's like scooping it up and put it in like, yeah, like he's, yeah, trying yeah I that. he's trying to scoop all the knowledge yeah it, yeah
0: man. bless him man but <laughs> they weren't too far from the truth like they probably didn't have the capacity to envision it, to picture how that would actually practically work like no we're not shredding books physical copies of books and putting it into children's heads however there is going to come a point in our lifetime where we're going to see people downloading information into their heads through the neural link that Elon Musk is going on about
1: Well, think like this blew my mind when I seen it and I only seen it on Kill Tony the guy with the Bluetooth hearing aid and he can like turn it off if he wants not to hear anyone turn it on play music in his fucking ear and like do loads of shit with a hearing aid if he took it out he'd be deaf like that's crazy to me Mm. like when he was on Kill Tony and they were ripping him he turned it off and then when they were laughing he turned it back on he was like what's that you know what I mean and I was like no that blew my mind as well I was like fucking hell Like if he actually took the whole thing out he'd be dead no control but puts it in he's got control if he can hear shit if he can't listen to music
0: like shit's
1: amazing now stuff is actually getting to the point where it's actually blowing
0: my mind you know my dad told me a story about a woman who'd been blind for most of all of her life she went through some sort of procedure where she could see again and she said she was the thing that shocked her the most was oh my god reverse it reverse it this fucking world's (laughs) fucked she she was most surprised by the size of people's noses really? yeah because I was feeling people's noses like oh wow imagine that though not being able to see your whole life and then you're just given sight what kind of overload would that be what would that be like to see colours For the first time. That's got to be a feeling, isn't it? So there's this, I don't think I've ever brought this up to you before, but there's certain eye procedures that we go through now, but back in the 1800s, 1900s, when these procedures occurred, they would literally remove the filters from our eyes and not replace them. So there was this uh, painter, and I need to remember this guy's name, but uh, it was fascinating. He had, this was around the 1800s, he had an eye surgery. The filter was removed from one of his eyes, and so he could see ultraviolet, see our eyes can't see ultraviolet whereas, like eagles for example can mm-hmm. if we could see an ultraviolet our eyes would we wouldn't be able to see by the time we were 30 years of age those filters are there to protect our eyes but eagles for example don't don't live that long so they don't need those filters something that's happened over through you know evolution but so this guy had the thing removed and he did this painting of his back garden and in his good eye You'd see this painting, and I mean, it was beautiful, regardless. But you'd see the as like autumn leaves, orange, amber hues, and he did it with his other eye that had the operation on it, and it was all purple and ultraviolet, and it was beautiful. That's cool as fuck. I know. Got to find that one out. But again, it's all about, you know, all this information, these photons, and reflect into our eyes, and our eyes send that through the optic nerve into our brain, and the brain deci- 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 deciphers. What You're that struggling with your eyes today, don't I don't know what it is. But the brain deci- deciphers. <laughs> I'm doing it again. Disciple. Disciple. <laughs> Decibel. <laughs> Dick. Peebs. Sorry, I'm just, I'm just saying my Our brain so. has to construct an image out of that. I coherent hear an image that... These tools, you know. I don't know.
1: You thinking? I'm trying to think, like... Oh, like you say that Like this corner of the room They've got the drum kit The lamp Like Oh man I've just gone blank <laughs> You're like, gone blank Yeah I'm trying to think Like Your eyes are computing it Yeah and What makes the image Your brain Yeah I know But like Does it though Because your eyes Have got to pick it up The light's got to reflect off it And then it's coming yeah, back in your eyes it. are
0: just the instrument Designed to take in Yeah but your brain's Controlling your eyes isn't it Yeah oh. So you're our brain decides I don't know I'm waffling now I'm just no 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 it's fine but again it goes to that whole simulation thing again I know I keep banging on about it but you know I mean I think (coughs) it's just an interesting concept it's so out there I thought it has to be like you think about the moon for example you know the moon is perfect for this earth because without the moon days on this planet would be six days uh, six hours long and there'd be no consistency in the seasons that's the responsibility of the moon not just the tides but a lot of things and the it's moon, so convenient.
1: Do you reckon the moon controls our moods as well? Because we're made
0: of water. I've been thinking about that. I mean, there's a lot of people that that it's look got at to. it. I try it, and find it, consistency. It affects the tide.
1: It's got to affect the water in our body and our moods and whatever.
0: Well, I try and find consistency in it. I always think to myself, well, how am I feeling today? And what's the moon doing?" I always say that was my little expression. "What's the moon doing?" You know, it's been yesterday. was a full moon.
1: Well. Like,
0: You've been in a shitty mood and looked at
1: the moon I'm like oh, you fucking crescent bastard,
0: you <laughs> fucking motherfucker. I don't know. I can't really find any consistency in it, but I wouldn't out. I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, of course it's. It must be responsible. Some of it. It has so much influence over everything else. I like the David Icke theory. How it's like a satellite designed to, <laughs> kind of create this. I like the one when reality. you're a kid. It's cheese. I thought when I was. I actually have a memory of me being three years of age, looking up at the moon and thinking it was a big porn cracker. You <laughs> had bone crackers when you were three Yeah, I used to go to a Chinese restaurant all the time I went to Studfall Chinese And there was a guy that ran it named Nick He's a Chinese guy I mean, He sounds Chinese I know Hi, I'm Nick <laughs>
1: <laughs> Konnichiwa <laughs> <laughs> It's
0: not even Chinese
1: <laughs> What is it, Japanese?
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck
1: <laughs> I don't know languages, man I don't, I don't learn any of them <laughs> Konichiwa. Konnichiwa. Mushy mushy peace. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, this guy, Nick. This... <laughs> so, anyway, Nick. So, Nick, like, I was terrible. I fucking hated this man. Why? I wasn't. Because every time I go in there... i like, you give your porn crackers the age no, of three? I'll go, I'll go in there, but I'm going to put you in the oven. You could hear the dogs in Look. the back going... <laughs> <laughs> hey, pal. <laughs> the meatballs really are the dog's bollocks. <laughs> Konnichiwa. <laughs> mochi, mochi. <laughs> anyway, Nick. All right. I hated this guy because he'd always be like, winding me up from behind the counter, but like, I'm going to put you in the oven. I'm going to put you in the oven. And I'd be like... And my mum would be chuckling away. This woman who was my protector, my guardian was laughing along with this and I was so confused at three years of age. You know I mean? I wasn't a bright kid. I thought the moon was a porn cracker for fuck's sake.
1: <laughs> yeah, no one knows the moon's fucking what, <laughs> what the moon consists of at the age of three. You yeah. know? Oh, it's uh, just got that fucking I used, you know, what I thought helium
0: three. You know what I thought rain came from? I thought people went up in balloons and filled them up with buckets of water. Oh well, was better than mine. What did you think? I just think fucking God was pissing on us.
1: <laughs> yeah, God's pissing. God's having a shout. Yeah, God's having a piss. God's for uh, Jesus flushing the chain <laughs> Sorry Does my arms trap me It's just Just What uh... <laughs> okay. so, oh, was hailstones That's oh, just God Taking a shite One of those
0: uh, You ever see those Like footage of Where hailstones Get really bad In certain countries
1: Yeah like, like fucking and balls And smashing on ball. People's fucking Bonnets Like boom <laughs> They've got it On their dash cam is not they then you see them diving next to it to get the insurance. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know where they get... You know those videos where they just go... <laughs> they just plank next to a car and they get up like, you motherfucker! <laughs> you're, like, you're like, I've got you on dash cam, mate, just falling over. What the fuck are you talking about? And they just walk off. Like, <laughs> it's hilarious, man. Some of the, some of the fucking insurance things you got on YouTube, man. It's fucking hilarious.
0: There was this, um, back in like 2013, 2012, there was a popular thing. It wasn't even a YouTube channel. It was like a compilation of things on YouTube called uh, We Love Russia. Yeah, Because insurance fraud was so bad in Russia that basically every person had a dash cam. I think it was the Russians that kind of started that trend. You see a lot of it now more and more in, in this country. But Russia were the first ones to adopt it en masse and you just get these great compilations of what Mm. fucking occurred in Russia especially on these dash cam footage like one of them a car's just going past the guy and there's a fucking horse's head just hanging out of the passenger seat
2: (laughs) what the fuck
0: (laughs) 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 and then one time a guy's beeping his horn in traffic and like the car stops and like these five really hench guys get out and he just fucking reverses he's like nope not today so
1: um what's that one it's a British one I think the guy's on a bike, not a... Mil- he might be on a moped mil- a mil- bike, a scooter maybe. The guy, it's not Ronnie Pickering, it's, it's a different one. He's chasing him.
0: Ronnie fucking Pickering. And
1: the guy's chasing him and he's, he, start, he goes to speed off their arguing for a bit. I can't remember the conversation, but the guy just falls on his ass when he's chasing him and that. And he, he just goes
0: to get back up and sprint after him. But fucking...
1: It's hilarious. It's not hilarious.
0: No, I do like that sort of candidness because everybody's got a supercomputer in their pocket now where they can record in... 720 1080p like hd quality people can just record life and some people's lives are fucking boring i'm not gonna lie you know i can't stand about facebook because i went back on facebook for the podcast to promote it a little bit i'm not on it that much but you see the same faces someone one guy will just be like this is this is my grandson this is my son every day and i'm like "Yeah, good for you pal
1: you know the ones who have um
0: Watch my podcast, you cunt. Yeah. <laughs> fuck your kids. <laughs> yeah, fuck
1: your kids, man. Watch the fucking podcast. We see you watching it, but you're not fucking liking it or anything.
0: Sorry, carry on, you. We
1: see you. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm speaking. No, I'm joking. Um, What was I saying? What were we saying?
0: Uh, we just talk about all sorts.
1: Well, what, what were we just saying about.
0: Like Russia it? and dashcam footage and just candidness, uh, capturing all those moments in life. Yeah, like, you like, like, see, when I used to. Like, remember you, I remember YouTube, Alex saying,
1: "Yeah, yeah, like, I hey, I love programs. That's the sort of telly I, I like to like more reality focused shit, like Cops, for example. Like that shit is fucking hilarious. I don't know why I love watching Cops, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I'll cut that bit out. It's disgusting. Um,
0: cops is 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 fucking, it's just hilarious. Well, I'm kind of skeptical of these so called reality." Shows because this is another thing I was looking into. Was I,
1: a, I'm willing to accept some of it is scripted, right? But like, you know,
0: well for the entertainment. Right. I'll, I'll get a bit technical, but then I'll take it back to other TV shows of the like because I've just started remembering something else that I watched that was quite interesting. Pimp My Ride. Keep that in mind. All right. I actually watched a b- 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 uh, documentary on Pimp My Ride. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've seen, i seen yeah, the same yeah, one. Yeah. Right. Okay. So before we get to that, right? What I hate about reality TV. Is uh, there's a there's a French philosopher named Jean Baudrillard. He was quite mo- he was quite recent. He did a book back in ni- the 1980s called Simu- Simulacra and Simulation. And it was kind of like one of the inspirations for The Matrix. And he talks a, a, a simulacra is basically something that's imitating something imitating a reality, but doing it in a way that's kind of a unsatisfactory representation or imitation. And mm-hmm. you and reality TV is essentially what's defined as a hyper reality. It's imitating reality. It isn't actually. It shouldn't be called reality TV. It should be called hyper-reality TV. Scripted as fuck TV. Exactly, because they're trying to imitate situations and scenarios that you'd find in reality, but they're trying to orchestrate it in a way that's not organic, so therefore it loses any semblance of reality.
1: You know, well, my my brother's dad said to me one time, I must have been about 11, 12, and uh, he said to me, he was like, yeah, you do know like all TV every single thing you see on tv is scripted like everything that there's not one thing on television mainstream television none of these like random city shitty channels like living plus one it's all fucking scripted and then growing up watching tv even big brother i did enjoy it i did enjoy these shows but i just in back of my head i was like it's all scripted i knew it was all scripted so i couldn't really fully enjoy it it's a tough one, isn't it? Because that's I think that's where my brain started going into the movies and TV shows, like sci-fi and all that shit. Like just it's different. weird,
0: isn't it, how reality TV just kind of exploded into the culture so quite recently as well. I mean, Big Brother was. I think it just captures different like eras of yeah. At what point did people those TV executives? Our era was Big Brother, and now I would say this era has gone to Love Island it's love island and it is all, and shows i've not really heard of x like, on the beach there's, there's one
1: there's one on channel 4 where people go in a house and like catfishing each other they like i don't know what it's called it might be um, called catfish no nah, it's not it's on i don't know what channel it's on but it's like you get like say you get six contestants three of them will be fake identities and then three of them will be real. Rachel watches this. You know what I want. You know what I yeah. want about. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. And but like, married be, at first sight. Nah, that's that's married at first sight. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. But anyway, there like three catfishes, three real people in, and, and then the three real people are talking to the catfishes, but they don't know. They all think they're real people. They've got identities, like how we catfish Luke Keith He would have thought that Nikki Bird was real. There, some of these people, and then some of them might be trying to figure out who's the catfish. You know, and it's like real or not fake or yeah or i don't know what that. the the show's called and it sounds quite shit but
0: i'm just, it just bring bring a bill. it's weird isn't it all you know whatever it's called keeping up with the kardashians these hyper realities again it's all yeah, who wants
1: to keep up with the fucking
0: kardashians lots of people apparently and why another one is uh the only way is essex or made in chelsea <laughs> again it's they're trying to sell this simulacra you know masquerading as reality I, I kind of enjoy
1: maiden chelsea for the absurdity just the way they speak to each other and
0: shit. i had a girlfriend one time we're going back eight years and she was really into in chelsea and i kind of got lured into it a little bit because we lived together so
1: i'm the same as you i had an ex
0: that really enjoyed it and i got lured into it but here was a problem i started to see the formula very quickly so you see these middle class people Doing their things they're painting one day they're doing a painting thing together they're doing and a meditation. they're always drinking a bloody fucking mary yeah they're always drinking a bloody mary and then they go to the nightclub and this is the outfit i'm wearing and then it would be like right next time and it will give you a little snippet of next week's episode yeah they're arguing or something that they're like, arguing and it that really kicks off you're a fucking bitch and it? it's just two seconds of the next episode yeah. the next episode you watch it no confrontation takes place and everything interesting that could be potentially interest about that show happens off screen and then people come out of the woodwork that were once on that show whether it be the only way is essex or made in chelsea and they come out of the woodwork and they say oh yeah it was scripted we put in these situations so going back to pimp my right they always have that little disclaimer at the start like this is made for entertainment perhaps yeah, exactly. blah 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 but no one reads that shit it's always small at the bottom like it could be solved with one one little change change the concept from reality tv and call it hyper reality tv problem solved
1: yeah, people don't really take no notice of that shit. You're not going to get the this morning people being... And on hyper-reality TV today, <laughs> we had someone scripted, in a scripted event. They're not going to explain it. They're just going to make it sound like it's real. Yeah. This, this happened on the show last night. You must watch it. They're trying to get the ratings and the yeah, money. Yeah. That's what it's about, is it? Money, 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 money. <laughs> That's what it's all about,
0: really, like with this TV and shit. Not to Advertisers, everyone, shareholders, uh-huh. viewership, you name it. So the sellers, consumerism. And going back to uh, Pimp My Ride. So there was a, I think it's called something we, his, historian.
1: We must have watched the same one. I watched it last night as well. Was the a YouTube
0: lot. channel is called Weird History. I, I recommend it to anyone. It's, it's great. He has some great stuff I on it. Know, there
1: was two I seen. It was, there was one was was Pimp My Ride as
0: good as it you think it was. And then there was, was it script, as script? Was it fake? There was, All Right. So the, the one from Weird History, he talked, it was 20 minutes long. And he brings up Exhibit a lot Exhibit was the host Of the American mm-hmm. version And he'd been on Podcasts and all that explaining and everything He basically introduced Your Exhibit ex- had Exhibit been he's, on podcast Being on podcast And right. explained his role In all of this Because it was over 10 years ago now to, Well 15 years ago now And it was on MTV And it exploded Like it just took on Really really well So the premise of Pit My Ride was Because I didn't even Watch this I, This is, is why I gathered Based on the way They'll explain it On this documentary This mini documentary And the idea was is that a contestant would bring their car uh, a piece of shit car to get pimped out, and they'd do all these crazy things to it like they'd put game cubes in the back mm, of it. Yeah. one of them, one episode was a cotton candy machine was put into the put into the boot of the car, and the guy who was it was his car was saying, "Yeah, I'm a fat guy, so they just thought it'd be hilarious to give the fat guy a cotton candy machine. <laughs> he didn't even like cotton candy, but it was all scripted, and the reality was th- the way this show was edited, it was made to look like that. It this whole pimping took about three days. In reality, it took about seven months. Really? I mean, which is fair play. Like these, the, the 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 company responsible for doing all these cars up worked night and day to do the work on these cars. But they when they pimped them out, they didn't actually do anything to make it functionally any better. Like the engines and all that. Like it didn't. It
1: was. It was just aesthetically. But what's the fucking? And some of
0: the aesthetics weren't even road worthy. They couldn't. They weren't even allowed to be on the road because I think it was Fast and Furious franchise which started off in 2001 that's kind of what got people into the tuning and exotic car scene whatever they call it i don't know much about cars but everybody wanted to tune out their car you look at um need for speed there's, there's leia you know what i don't even think leia will be caught up in the. maybe she might be she
1: was the first episode but that was the first episode
0: That's when we had our we had, we didn't have the fat head, so we tuned up our mics to like eighty percent. Now we've got it on forty five percent, fifty percent. And I've got quite
1: a somber tone to my voice, so we turned mine up a little bit.
2: You know.
0: So we, f- the, the Fast and Furious franchise had a massive influence in the in the 90s when it came to people doing that, doing up their cars, and and Pimp My Ride comes along a couple of years later, and everybody's obsessed. Like I want my car done up, but the problem was that they didn't meet legal requirements. Mm-hmm. To be, they weren't roadworthy, so no one could do anything with their cars and they still had to spend hundreds of thousands fucking getting it done a, up properly fucking
1: axe the front of their bonnet like
0: <laughs> and it was just silly because and some of the houses that exhibit would go to weren't even the houses of the people they would just rent those properties or they would use
1: or just stand by this house while the exhibit yeah, knocks the door yeah they were yet. literally just
0: they were instructed to sit in the living room and wait for exhibit to turn up at the door Hey, oh my God, I was going to my ride. Oh my out? God, I've, I didn't expect you at all. Exhibit Mr. Exhibit. So perfect example, Mr. Serious. X. <laughs> so there was two reasons why they did this. So some people lived in absolute shitholes, and also they wanted houses that were close to the garage, because Exhibit would actually do the drive in that person's car, from the house to the garage. That would actually that was the only thing about that, that was actually real. And him himself, he didn't go off of a script that like he was genuinely his, he was such an agreeable character for this show when it came to his like riff and, and his improvisational skills, that was him. So that was a part of it that was, he was the most genuine part of it was his personality. So he
1: was actually a fucking idiot then.
2: <laughs> I don't remember the you that.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, he might have had a particular I a for the camera. Mine, right? <laughs> I remember a friend of right?
1: I won't say his name because I'll still keep this secret for you. Don't worry. Um, I remember walking to town one time and it must have been like 14 and that. And he was like, don't tell anyone, but I still watch Pimp My Ride. <laughs> I was like, who the fuck am I going to tell that to? Oh, by the way, he still watches, you know what I mean?
0: Why keep that secret? Some dude's like, with well, the guy with the one with Exhibit in it? <laughs> <laughs> no, know. the one with Tim Westwood. <laughs> <laughs> you ever caught the Pimp My Ride, the UK version? No, I saw the international version. Was it Little John, Little Wayne that did the international I'm not
1: version? i sure. I've seen the Exhibit one and I've seen the Tim Westwood one, the UK version. <laughs>
0: Not much. It was just Tim Westwood doing it. One thing that fascinates me is the evolution of... Uh, should I say evolution? Is evolution American? Evolution? I don't know. Who cares? Um The evolution of uh, game shows. So a little bit of trivia for you. The uh TV commission, whatever they're called, of this country, they kind of had a cap on how much money could be given out, maximum could be given out on a game show. Mm-hmm. And that was all lifted in the, in the early 1990s. So that's why you had these game shows come out like the Bruce uh, Forsyth's get your cards right and get what was it the price is right price is right, yeah. price is right. and nobody had seen prizes of this value before you know a car a caravan fucking a shed a boat you get all these fucking 90s Karens like oh we must go on price is
1: right that's we might mu- we must win the fucking look, holiday to Alicante exactly oh. come on down Steven
2: I <laughs> <laughs> I'm soaking
1: steam.
0: Think about it. Right before that, you had bullseye in one. In
1: one, and you can win this calculator <laughs> in two.
0: It's two Steins. <laughs> bully bullseye Steins. In
1: three, a candle holder.
0: <laughs> and bully bullseye's prize of the of the day. What is it? It's her shrubbery set. <laughs> <Beano>. ha
1: <laughs> <laughs> It's a
0: Jim fixed it placard. <laughs>
1: You can write to Savon. <laughs> don't know why I'm doing that. Like. That's not how the guy sounded either. He was probably uh, like a... What was his name? His name was like Jim something.
0: Jim. Yeah, it, it, just... it was
1: Jim. It was Jim fucking something. I don't know. He's still kicking to these days. But He was like, oh, right, then.
0: So, going to get up to the hockey. The cocky. <laughs> and you always have the, the professional darts player. There's some fat guy stand, yeah, that.
1: But you'd never play. you just stand at the side like counting them like, That's a 20? That's a... Oh. Sixteen, your shit, mate. Next, you're not winning that. count car- the point to make
0: is the prizes in these shows were shocking. But it wasn't until the uh, TV commission got rid of that uh, that's, that that maximum prize limit that game shows really started kicking off in the '90s with Prices Right, with Get Your Cards what Right, did, uh, Michael Barrymore, Michael Sound Bar- of Music.
1: Mate, I fucking loved Michael Barrymore in the '90s. I ain't gonna fucking lie to you. That guy's that guy's that guy was comedy
0: gold. Like got, right, so he would have been in his forties around this time, and as an older, older man now, I, I'll I'll see reruns of that show, and I'll just he fucking paces up and down because don't forget how the way that great
1: the, he must have been on a shitload of coke though.
0: <laughs> you probably
1: oh, and Honestly, and you watch it and you can tell you're like he's just fucking erratic, like well, but no, but still fucking genius. Oh yeah, but
0: I, you know what I mean, like no one, no
1: one can say. Michael Barrymore was not a good host.
0: He actually yeah, fucking was, he was a good host. genius. He was, um but for those who aren't familiar with this show, the set design of it, there was like three tiers to it. So he'd be pacing up and down for like 45 minutes straight, going up to the individual. Constantly
1: person. cracking jokes, never stopping.
0: Like, he was definitely on fucking the devil's yeah. dad Oh, mate, <laughs> cocaine's a hell of a drug. <laughs> like honestly I mean didn't cocaine end his career didn't he have like some sort of uh, orgy going on in his house and something
1: <laughs> someone died in his pool no <laughs> one knows who did it to this day or did he just drown I don't know like, I swear he keeps getting pulled back to court for it does he I'm sure he does I'm sure he keeps getting in trouble like they keep finding more evidence or whatever and keep bringing him back to court but I don't know another, hey, that's just shame man it fucked his career but he
0: was really good man. another good TV scandal What's Charles that? Ingram Major Ford who, who, wants, to be who be wants to be
1: a millionaire millionaire guy fucking hell oh man <coughs> this is obvious <coughs> <laughs> <laughs> no, i mean how fucking <laughs> obvious just every time chris answers a question asks a question it's like so do you want to know this st- i mean i know you probably know some of the we've story. already said chris Ingram's story though on island oh, james really. haven't mean okay all i will say is but is that, it's still it funny it. to bring up just how obvious like what, what i love about so ask me a question ask me a question about what just ask me a question Like, okay, who wants to be I mean, a multiple choice question I mean, I and don't... then give me the a b or c at the end
0: bad time to ask me that right now mate okay all right i'll do it myself um what it's... how many t- 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 tires does the car have a one b two <laughs> c four <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: Oh, it must be Seacrest. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how obvious it fucking was. They might as well have just been standing up clapping. Oh, this is for Tim, by the way. I'm going to stand up for 60 seconds. Oh, me a chance to fucking stretch my leg. This is just for Tim, Warner. I? If he doesn't sit down
0: on his episode, I'll be good. I asked him as well. I said, Tim, will you sit down on your next episode? I was like, I can't guarantee it. <laughs> I don't know, because it makes me feel so uneasy.
1: Anyone. I'm ch- I'm I'm going to be like a fucking character <laughs> in Dexter. Or is it Dexter? One of
0: the cartoon shows where you can't see the dad's faces. No, no, a cow and chicken. Yeah, that's what I'm going
1: to be up for the next
0: 20 seconds. All right. Well, don't stand up too long, because it'll, it, just... it'll irritate my dad. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like it when people don't sit down. And I get, I've inherited that. All right. I just want to let you know a little. A little bit. I'll sit down a I'm just All right, well,
1: well, let me tell you. sit down, while I'm just getting cut. Oh, right, okay. There you go, Tim. If you don't want to hold up to your end of the bargain, you know, I'll kick your ass.
0: <laughs> it's, yeah, there's this characteristic that my dad has that I've inherited and it's quite funny because my dad gets frustrated when people pace up and down, it makes him feel nervous. So, uh, cast me out. And I get so my my mum has this habit where when she's on the phone, she would just pace up and down. And I feel that my dad's rage boil up in me. I'm like, sit the fuck down. I don't say that to her because, you know, I respect her. But in my head, I'm just thinking, please sit down.
1: Is that one of your pet peeves? Yeah. Mine, like, I get it, though. I get it when you 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 like you want to sit down be all comfy and someone's, like, around you, like, being all...
0: Especially, like, if it's a day where I'm doing a, a late shift at work, like a two to ten, and it's ten o'clock in the morning and I just want to process that I'm going to a job that doesn't fulfill me, you know?
1: And then someone's pacing the fucking round, round you And you're like
0: That cat's me out, should we let him in? Come on right, one second
1: There you and you might sit in between us go, I doubt it though Alright,
0: oh, well, we got our We got our first guest, Jaffa the cat
1: Here he is, the big man himself You probably can't even see him behind all the shit So
0: Let me just get comfortable
1: Yeah, it's our first guest Jaffa so Jaffa, what do you think about the podcast? Yeah? You want to be part of it, mate? There was another thing I wanted to bring up Just don't you. turn around, because everyone might see your balls and I have to blur them out. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's off. Anyway, what did you want to bring up? No, I was, just, I was watching a, I tried to get into that documentary last night about the history of cyberpunk. I'd seen it before, but it'd been a while since I'd seen it. It's a three-part series Part one is about forty minutes long, fifty minutes long. Part two then goes into an hour and a half, and then part three is a mammoth, two and a half hours long. And uh, I found it fascinating, especially part one when it talks about proto, proto cyber, cyberpunk, which is uh, you Philip K. Dix, your Alfred Besters. These were authors from the 1950s. Should I give a little explanation of what cyberpunk is before I go down this little tangent? People will be thinking, what is cyberpunk? It's a subgenre of science fiction. It's almost no, its, it's
1: kind of self-explanatory. And like neon-drenched cities, darker, darker than being in space with the galactic shit. It's more grounded in real life. Science fiction,
0: futuristic
1: cities. You know, you don't have uh, Dystopi-
0: dystopian futures because you got to bear in mind. Like cyberpunk really exploded in the the, the 1980s, 2000 AD. The British comic with Judge Judge Dredd. You had uh, William Gibson with Neuromancer. You had uh, I still Scott. need to read that by the way in your No, don't. It's pile of no, shine. Is it shit. No, it's it's celebrated because it's a a genre a, a, a beginnings of a, an established genre of cyberpunk. I mean, you had proto cyberpunk with Philip K Dick's Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep. You have it with Alfred's Be Alfred Bester's The Stars My Destination, which is one of my f- the way you feel about androids is the way I feel about The Stars My Destination. But they're both examples of proto cyberpunk. Okay. Androids ain't my favourite book. It's a Double Star. Double Star by Richard Heinlein, yeah. I need to finish that. Great book, mate. Well, I didn't... Well, maybe
1: not the greatest science fiction story, but the story itself, just the... A little bit of spoilers here, but the way, like, how good of an actor he's... The way he writes the actor. Yeah. You know, like, how good of an actor he is, and when he gets into the, the role of acting like this galactic president, he explains how he gets into the like what's the word they use for it and know the acting styles um method acting yeah like he he explains how he goes into gets into the method how he's going to get into the character of the president and how he doesn't need makeup and shit to do it it's just all in physical how he's going to copy his copy the president's um physical movements and his facial expressions and shit he and that's how he's going to act he doesn't need that's how good of an actor he is he doesn't need fit prosthetics and shit he can just act like the person and he, it's
0: believable you know I just don't get I don't get on too well with the author's style I mean I have read some of his books I've read a starship troopers and I've read um, the door into summer
1: it's, it hasn't aged well some of his but like a lot of things from that era haven't aged well you just need to kind of push it aside you know
0: yeah no I get that I get that I mean, Androids was my first introduction to. If it, if the book's riddled with it, then I'll get it. But like, it's not. It's kind of here and there, hit and miss. Well, my first introduction to um, uh, to sci-fi was Philip K. Dick's Androids. Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? Same. I mean, same. it's completely different to his movie counterpart, Blade Runner. But they're both great individually. I mean, I love the whole idea of the. Do you d- know what
1: it feels like to me? I know Blade Runner came out years later, but I feel like and it's mad to say, but I feel like. Androids was inspired by Blade Runner a little bit, and Blade Runner was inspired by Androids, but obviously, Androids came out way before Blade Runner, so it, it doesn't make sense. But it does in my head. You
0: know what I mean? That goes into that other thing I was talking about on the on the way to the oh, shop. There
1: we go. He's, Yes, he's returned.
0: He's returned the cat, Jaffa. Come here, Jaffa. Um, I mean, we'll, we'll delve on that later. But retro causation about if we do live in a simulation, then retro causation could explain certain phenomenons. Phenomenons in uh, quantum quantum theory. The whole idea of like possible outcomes of the future could influence the past simultaneously because it's not a linear path. If you st- anyway, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole just yet. The occasion comes, it comes. But yeah, that's what I'm saying about the f- Blade Runner having an influence on androids and androids vice versa, you know? Because this novel came out in 19... 19- it was published in 1968 and it was ahead of its time because it's the future year of... The- of nineteen ninety two. The year we were born thirty years ago, Jesus Christ.
1: Crazy, isn't it?
0: And like, um, Oh God, can you hear that?
1: <laughs> 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 Where's my mic gone? <laughs> He's a bit emotional, isn't
0: he? I love it. It's not our first guest, guess, by the way. That was Flash Peasants. Check out the yeah, previous no, episode yeah, that. But yeah, it's the just... first one in this particular <laughs> setting. We haven't had a guest yet, except for this cat. Oh, well, he...
1: And there he goes. And there he goes. He'll be back soon, don't worry.
0: He's going to run out the window. Nah, he'll meow. He'll okay. meow. You'll hear him. <laughs> but the idea of World War Terminus had happened in this story of androids. Everybody's colonizing Mars now. Everyone's off, off to Mars. But because of the radiation that comes... A lot of the inhabitants of Earth have kind of, their brains have gone to dog shit. Like J.R. Isidore, that's one of the characters of the book. He's one of my favorite characters. Mm -hmm. And um, there's a sort of dogmatic relationship with empathy. Everybody has what's called an empathy machine where they put their hands on the, the device and it takes them into this character called William Mercer who's doing this climb up the hill and is being pelted by rocks and pebbles and everybody feels Everybody connected to the empathy machine feels the pain as one and it brings them together because that's what separates the humans from the androids in this in the story and in the movie empathy. The androids don't have empathy. Mhm. So that's why there's that dogmatic relationship with the empathy machines. I think that comes a lot more clearer in the film Play right on. Yeah, but not the machine itself that kind of got cut, didn't it?
1: Oh yeah. But I mean you can tell the androids have no em- like you can see like with the acting... Especially with the fucking acting, man. Rutger Howell killed it. Even his friend, I forget his friend's name. The actual actor's name. He's dead now, but... Um, Leon? That's that's the guy's name in the film, but the actual actor's name, I can't he remember. He died. He's, he's he, been in
0: a lot of films. He was in The Fifth Element. In I
1: it. always see him in films and be like, no way, it's the fucking guy from the Moink-Kampf test.
0: Moink-Kampf, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, in order to measure artificial intelligence they have what's called the turin test he played a lot of hillbillies he did, <laughs> did he? yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's this thing known as the uh, the turin test which alan turin came up with is where you have like an interview in the room and then in one other room is a human and the other is, is a machine and if the, the, the machine can convince the third party that it's a human then it's past the turin test and we haven't reached that phase yet i don't think but it, it, there's like an inverse version of it, which is... Do you, know, do you
1: know the easiest way to tell the difference between an android and human? How's that? Pull the pants down.
0: <laughs> if it's an action man,
1: you know... That, <laughs> that there, my friend, that's a nub. <laughs> You're an android. <laughs> Get the foot... Fu- <laughs> <laughs> you nubby little
0: bastard. <laughs> that's what I love about the, 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 the whole voink Kampf test in both the book and the, and, and, and the movie. Is that they're trying to measure Empathetic responses that, where... That's what got me into sci-fi Reading the Moin, point, Is it Kampf? or Kampf. from I
1: saying point Voinkampf What's Moinkampf? That know. fucking Some Nazi shit Anyway The Kampf death Reading that mate I Like Opened my brain up To fucking
0: sci-fi mm. Reading Reading that Actual scene in the book For me it was the uh, The empathy machine When really? J.R. It, it was going through Because at first I was confused I was like Where the fuck are we right now? because that was my introduction to this man's work. But another interesting one that... I mean, we'll keep talking about fucking Blade Runner if we want. But we'll go back and forth between it, because there's so many ever works by this man that I love. it. He died.
1: We can talk about the 13th floor. Yeah,
0: Craig Berko. Right
1: there. That That's a lot of... I'd say that's solely,
0: solely about simulation, really. Well, I said this to great... I get to not brag about it, but the fact I got to say this to the man's face, Craig Berko, the guy who plays... We, we had to fucking pleasure of talking to like one of our favorite actors like it's rare you get
1: that opportunity and i'm pretty sure if someone else actually no don't don't ask him to come on your podcast these hours <laughs> i'm joking now but fucking just having the pleasure to talk to this man that's been in like a couple of yeah. our favorite films
0: well he he was the the lead role in the 13th floor which came out the same year as the matrix did but the matrix just you yeah, know trashed it at the box office but it's not about that the, the, like the 13th floor kind of covers all concepts it took three Matrix movies to to wrap up their philosophical points. I can say that word now, thank God. And <laughs> uh, got- whereas The 13th Floor does it in one movie, the whole idea of a simulation within a simulation, determinism, the, or the Jean-Jacques Rousseau's teachings about re- our relationship with reality, the material world, our relationship with it, our emotions, and it did it in one movie. And that film, because it was on Netflix, this was 2013, I start getting blazed In my own company And I'm checking out Netflix I'm staying more in the house And it was I was like What's this The 13th floor Because I remember Googling like Good sci-fi movies From the 90s I was looking for inspiration When you
1: initially told me About the 13th floor I thought you were talking About 13 ghosts Oh right yeah I Remember that film
0: I actually never saw the 2000s remake. I saw the old school 1950s version. What, 13 Ghosts? Oh, yeah, man. and it was actually really good. Is
1: it? Yeah. I, I still think that a lot of people trash it, but the, the fucking one I watched, the,
0: the most recent one's good. One time, uh, I had Sky when I was younger, but we didn't have the, the full package, so we didn't get Sky movies we got like TCM <laughs> and we got film four, like, even T- film four. Yeah. film. TCM's old films. aren't it? Turner yeah, yeah. Warner movies, whatever it's called Turner something. Even back then film four was behind a paywall. It wasn't free really? back in the day. And then really? it, it didn't get the numbers. So like, Oh, film four free now. There you go. Really? Yeah. Swear to God. I didn't know. That. You had to pay extra for film four at one point. And, oh. um, so I remember one time seeing, this is around the time that the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes had come out. All right. So you had to wait about a year or two before movies would hit terrestrial TV, but me being young and dumb, I was like, oh, cool! Planet of the Apes is on the, uh, is on TCM." <laughs> I click on it and it's the 1968 fucking. version. What's the actor's name? Charleston, H- Char- Char- Charleston
1: Hest Charleston
0: Heston. Something Heston. He was like the, like Charleston t- Heston. T- t- towards the end of his life, he, beca- he, he, right. he became a post-child for the NRA, the National Rifle Association. He's in that really? Michael Moore? documentary uh, Bowling from Columbine so um, anyway so the 1968 original version of Planet of the Eights which that's the
1: one to watch anyway
0: that's the one to watch exactly but uh, so I'm a kid and I'm kind of a snob to old movies at that age yeah same but I sat and watched it and I fucking loved it loved it
1: nah I think I I didn't become unsnobby till I
0: left school and I was a lazy bastard for like the first two years
1: after I was watching TV and playing games, and I watched the original The Daily Earth stood still on film four. I think, did you know, like early on, like one to four o'clock, it would be like old school movies on film four. This is back in what,
0: 20, 2009, 2010? Back then, it's just JML. <coughs> well, get this knife set. at one
1: o'clock they'd start playing like old 60s 70s they'd gradually go up in years until it got to like 6 where they'd play like a fucking Harry Potter film and then start playing mad sci-fi films And uh, yeah the original day of the earth the day the earth stood still was fucking brilliant mate and it was like black and white and it was just well acted and I was excited for the remake and it was dog shit Keanu Reeves great actor he can't play a fucking brain dead alien (coughs) <coughs> because, what? Because... No, have you seen the day yet?
0: Still, I saw it in the cinema. I was really disappointed by it. Uh, Not
1: that the original. No. Well, the original is it. Pro- the remake's similar. This this aliens on Earth doesn't know basic human interactions and shit. It goes into this house, woman's house, and she like takes him un- under his wing, and then then that spaceship's like in the middle of America I don't know what fucking state it's in but yeah it's like the army's around it and shit he's the only one that can communicate with it because it's his fucking pod take it's going to take him away but he doesn't want to go away from this female blah 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 it's like a classic love story alien but it's an alien and a human
0: that's cool I mean
1: and it was it was really good I probably didn't know justice there explaining it because I was just I'm fucking high but like it is great film the original day of the F stood still shout out to the original
0: Nah it's good cool. I, I know what you mean Those old school movies Like me watching 30 I'm just girls. saying That's
1: the one that right It clicked in my brain Like some of these old movies Are actually good You know Like not, they're not all shit They're not all just Cowboy and Indian films You know Like That's a <laughs> I just doing, hear a Har- doing a Harvey impression uh-huh. Oh yes mummy You're Hello I can't- you can't <laughs> Yeah I'm not I'm, I'm not very good at Harvey But yeah Charlie does it All the fucking time man. <laughs> It's funny
0: as fuck no, I was just thinking about *The Planet of the Apes*, right? So they're kind of like trashy B movies, based based yeah. on a they're French really? novel. No, well, yeah, going back to the original, right? So there was five films originally. So the first *Planet of the Apes* comes out, and um, it's every, it's just a good film. And then the second one comes along a year later, and it's another astronaut trying to find the character from the first movie. And it turns out that it's not just apes that rule rule Earth in the future, but it's also um, you've got these. Uh, human beings that live underground and they worship an atom bomb and they're telepathic but they're, they're ho- horribly mutated They've got like these huge heads, these huge brains and the second movie ends with that bomb being detonated and you just assume that that's the end of the series, it's the end of Earth but um, the third movie it turns out two of, the, two of the um the apes from the first movie, the, the smart ones that kind of help the guy, Charleston Heston character out make it back to earth 1970 we're saying his name wrong it's not charleston it's it's depo something else but the point i'm making is, is that it kind of does a loop around on itself yeah. because in the third movie because those uh, apes go back to earth present day earth which is what 1970 at the time charlton charlton heston there we go yeah. they end up going back to earth present day 1970 1971 whatever and at first they're greeted with like they're kind of respected and everyone's in awe of these talking apes and they become the talk of the town they're like celebs, um celebrated but then as soon as um uh the female ape gets pregnant they all start kicking off and they go after them and the the young ape the baby ape escapes because the mother puts it puts it in the circus or something and then you got the fourth and the fifth movies, which all sort of comes full circle to how apes became the dominant species of Earth. Anyway. What,
1: what's the twist at the end of the, f- the very end fifth movie? What's the twist?
0: I don't remember the fifth movie, but so you get Caesar. People who are familiar with the modern trilogy, the modern day trilogy, I think it's the same character, same name, Caesar.
1: The, I'm not 100% sure because I, I don't think i got...
0: All right, so it's all based on an ape named Caesar who, who is basically the first to the one that started the smartest started the ape revolution right but it's like a grandfather paradox situation because in order for Caesar to be born those apes had to go in that spaceship in their present day to end up back in 1970s earth in order to have their child and that child start the ape revolution like it is in the first movie
1: all right, so it's like the fucking reverse of the grandfather paradox.
0: Well, no, it's a, it's it's apparent. In order for them to go back in, in order for there to be an ape revolution in the first place, they have to go back in time to have that to have Caesar for Caesar to start the revolution. All right, it's weird, isn't it? Because it wouldn't have happened in the first timeline. Mm-hmm. So there would have been another version of Caesar that started the ape revolution because by the fourth movie it's the future year of like 1991 or whatever and Caesar's in Hyden and, and dogs and cats die mysteriously because of a virus that these apes must have brought along with them when they came to earth mm-hmm. came to present day earth it killed all cats and dogs so apes are used as slaves and they can't speak amongst themselves but Caesar's the only one that can and he's in hiding in amongst the, the other apes and the guy who owns the circus he's the one that's sort of like the father figure because the parents get killed at the end of the third movie anyway so this circus owner is the one that's telling him to keep his head down and blend in and and all that. But Caesar can talk and he's intelligent and he is eventually the one that leads the other apes to rise up with him and take over the humans. And then the fifth movie is like I don't know, a hundred odd years later. I haven't actually seen the fifth movie, but basically it was it was making so much. It was making such a good return in the box office. They just start shitting them they, out. They just start shitting them out year by year. And by the fifth movie, like because the original movie was. I might have won an award for the actual quality of the the, the ape outfits and the mask that they had to wear it was revolutionary at the time but by the fifth movie you it just was fucking went back to the first movie's prosthetics like just started skimping well, on no the, the first fucking... movie did well it, mm-hmm. it was a high standard but by the fifth movie it looked like dog shit apparently it wasn't that convincing it was just the humans and the and the apes at war with each other yeah, yeah. and then that would then lead on to be the the events of the first movie because the first movie is the astronauts in space go into this little cloud, they go onto this alien planet that's ruled by apes only to find out at the end of the first movie that it was Earth all along, but just in the future, in case anybody wasn't following. But there is,
1: there is some uh, twist, because I remember watching a YouTube video about fucking stupid twists, and and the final planet of the apes had a mad twist, but uh, this is what I was going to segue into now, you mentioned um, Grandfather Paradox No, 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 um, movies that started making a good return, shitting them out, and then just got worse and worse. What's a good example of that? Resident Evil.
2: I, I, yeah. I mean, that always kind of... Maintained. In a way,
1: In a way, the first two movies, although not accurate to the games, were actually watchable. Like, because you get the first film with, in the mansion and then the second film in the city with the nemesis. Kind of watchable. Then you just got the
0: third, fourth step. Do you want to know an interesting story about... Resident Evil movies You won Tell me So I kind of tapped out After the third one I don't really know What happened oh, after mate. that right No
1: yeah oh, I've, I've watched up until Extinction
0: That, there, was, there that was, would be the fourth There were seven films In total right So um
1: Seven I only got to the fourth I
0: watched the fourth In the cinema yeah. And I watched the little well, kid Get run over that same there day There was a stunt double I can't remember her name But she was a stunt double For Mila Djokovic And uh There's a phone ringing No, that'll be Charlie's um, Diabetic I always just
1: Yeah, if I can get some sugar in you, Charlie, before you die. <laughs> anyway, yeah, go on.
0: There was a stunt double <laughs> for Mila Djokovic, and she was a very high regarded stunt double. She like did kickboxing, she rode motorcycles, and all that. She was just top of her game. And um, so there was a stunt that they were have to do for the final movie, and it was absolutely pissing it down. So they were all like, well, we're all on set. We might as well get some stunts done. So her stunt What year would this be? 2017 maybe 2015 the movie came out 2017 i think but there's about two mm. years because they filmed like two years before it even releases and uh she's got to do this stunt where she's on a motorcycle and she's gone about 70 miles an hour no helmet on by the way and as she's
1: going that's got to be her decision though isn't it no helmet gotta be they they wouldn't have been like
0: just don't wear a helmet fuck health and safety well i'll tell you her side of it in a second right so i'm just giving you the details so you have a camera that's attached to a crane, and it's meant to rise up, but there was a malfunction with it, so it didn't ride up. So she went straight through that, at 70 miles an hour, and she lost her. She lost one of her arms as a, as a result. Up to like way. Back. Very good stunt driver. you can't fucking bail out second. I'm joking. joking. I'm, I'm sorry. That's
1: fucking awful. I'm oh, sorry. No. <laughs> Power of editing.
0: So she, um, yeah, she lost an arm, had sp- spinal damage done nerve damage in her face it's horrific but she has come out and sort of spoke about it she was on her believe it or not ross kemp did a podcast for like six months ross kemp on podcasts and he had her on as a guest and she spoke all about it it's fucking horrific what she went through she, they paid her 70 grand and she sued them she's like fucking shove you 70 grand up your ass they were filming in South Africa where I think it's a little bit more lenient. The health and safety is a bit more lenient over there. And she said on, on the Ross Kent podcast that she uh, had a gut instinct, like something's not right. We're filming a motorcycle sequence in the rain, like in the pissing down rain. And I'm not wearing a helmet because obviously Mila Djokovic's character, Alice, probably isn't wearing a helmet in the scene. The cutting corners left, right and center because they know they're going to make a profit on these movies, but they're still expensive movies anyway. They all are. I will never
1: forgive the fucking Resident Evil fans that continue to fucking pay money to watch that shit. Well, they and, stopped... And, and not give us a fucking sick Resident Evil film for years, and they still haven't. Even the fucking most recent one, they shit out. dog shit. Yeah, they might have had a few. Oh, look at this fucking scene, scene from the scene from the game here, scene from the game there, Leon... Leon fucking it, claire's in it oh there's the people from the original game before they even get in the helicopter for the original game oh shit (laughs) there
0: you go that's his rant on resident fucking
1: why why can't someone just fucking (laughs) stop kissing the mic jaffa why can't someone just fucking write literally the game with the cutscenes take out here shitty little puzzles here and there that we're not going to watch in the film it's not going to be entertaining to watch just dance around it you know i think the problem is would be a fucking sick film how fucking atmospheric scary um like creepy it would be like because the zombies just walk you know what i mean and 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 it's a mansion it's been done to death though the zombie genre
0: the the zombie
1: genre yeah but like certain things haven't like
0: you know, one of my favorite zombie like, movies.
1: Like, I've never seen a decent stony zombie film. There's some out there. There's *Bong of the Dead*. There's this. <laughs> Bong of the Dead. Yeah, uh, there's. There, I mean, there's like four of now. There, there was an a, a B movie one. I can't remember what it's called. Something of the Dead. And like these two stoner dudes meet up. They're actually a funny scene at the start where the guy's like, these uh people are asking about his roommate, and then and he's like, Oh no, he used to just buy weed off me, but one time he came round and never left. <laughs> That's the only good part in the whole movie Um, Literally what do they do to the zombie genre They just just
0: fucking like I just remember the franchise that gets shut out Despite the fact it's not very good What? Sharknado Sharknado mate the first one wasn't even good So the premise of Sharknado for those that don't know um, It's sharks In a tornado Yeah and people watched the fuck out of it Because they made sequels They realised oh my god it's so bad it's good Sort of situation
1: Transformers The first one was pretty good I don't
0: know I don't watch that shit
1: The first Transformers Was actually pretty good I know I know my, the, the stigma behind Michael Bay And that But the first Like if You watch the first Transformers good it, it had a good
0: Lead on to It could have been Something good You know There was a Michael Bay movie That And then stopped, just <laughs> <laughs> Yeah there's a Michael Bay movie That's actually really it Starts off really good it Came out in 2005 It's called The Island So The premise is Is that you and McGregor Yeah Ewan yeah. McGregor Scarlett Johansson That is actually really good Well it starts off good And then it kind of has That Michael Bay bullshit Towards, towards the it The
1: end is a bit like
0: Whiffy Alright so here's the premise Of the movie You've Supposedly In the future Because um, there's a big twist I don't want to give that away But um, actually I am going to give it away Because it's been out For over 15 years You've got these The last human beings on earth Live in this Like Not a sanctuary necessarily But they're just sort of Living in the last place on earth because the rest of the earth is uninhabitable for reasons I can't remember but there's like this lottery that goes on and if one of the individuals wins the lottery they get to go live on the island, which is like Eden it's like the last place on earth where we can still live and the way this thing's set up everybody wears the same clothes they have to eat a specific diet they're not allowed to really interact with one another like they can't get too intimate they they come from what's called quarantine and Ewan McGregor plays a character named Lincoln Six Echo. And he's been he's been living this life for about three years now. But because of his mate played by Steve Buscemi, who's a mechanic, who lives outside of that life. He's just doing all the maintenance work. He kind of plants the seed in Ewan McGregor's mind that it's not what it's all it's not his way of life isn't what he thinks it is and the twist of the story is very early on is that they're actually clones they're all clones and when they win the lottery they're not actually going to the last haven on earth they are being murdered for their organs because their real counterparts back on earth which is fine by the way it's just normal normal everyday life they're just these rich people get their organs from these clones but they don't what they're called the sponsors these rich people that are paying towards this service to get clones made, they don't know that the clones are being made. As far as they're concerned, it's being sold as, oh, it's just like, you know, non-sentient beings harvesting your organs that don't think or live or feel anything. They just have the organs, and then when you need the organ, boom, we take it from them. Because it's the it was what Steve Buscemi describes as the new American dream. People just want to live forever, almost like a bit like, uh, revolted carbon with the stacks, but a slightly more modern version or. Reminds me a lot of THX 1138 you ever seen that George Lucas' first film in it
1: It's literally you've just described it to a T like it's all these people dressed the same white Outfits take a pill to keep them in line no emotions and then this particular guy Stops taking his pills and starts seeing the fucking like fakery bullshit Mm. And he's he makes it into the tunnels he's being followed by the um the dudes that wear the masks it's like the um squid games mask but just like blank silver and they're like chasing him down this big tunnel and he's climbing this ladder he's climbing it fucking a good long 10 minutes of the movie just to make you feel like <clears throat> feel the time he's climbing it and when he gets out he opens the the sewer gate i'm spoiling the end by the way i don't <laughs> give a fuck it's just that it's just they have all been tested on
0: there's multiple things that come to and, mind and now.
1: Th- it's in the top 10 favorite movies of all time, mate. That ending really hit me, like, fucking...
0: There's, multiple, there's several things that are coming to my mind now. Because, mate, that could Other be going stories. on now. There could be people underground. Well, well, one, one thing I going to mention, is going back to Philip K. Dick, right, he did a book in 64 called The Penultimate Truth. It's not one of his best works, but the premise is intriguing. People are living in fear of World War III or some world conflict that's occurring. So we all, human beings, live in these bunkers underground, and they're constantly being televised. What's happening back on the surface. And it's just endless warfare. But one guy has to climb out of his little hovel. To save one of the members of his tribe. You're going to help the cow. not problem. I'll just keep talking. So he has to. In order to save a member of his tribe. Deep underground. This guy has to go to the surface. For help. And it turns out that there is no war going on. On the surface. It's just rich people selling real estate. And I thought that was genius people are being indoctrinated by a fake war living in perpetual fear of what's on the surface so that they continue to live on rations on very little while the rich people live on live on the top with um no i was just giving you the lowdown on um that philip k dick story the penultimate truth about people living underground and uh the rich people of the world are profiteering on the surface of, through real estate and it kind of ties into THX plays into the island and another one that comes to mind as well is the uh, the Curl- sorry to interrupt
1: equilibrium is a lot like THX I was just about to say equilibrium
0: mm. right so that's uh, di- written and directed by Kurt Wimmer it's a society of people after World War 3 where people suppression their emotions by daily injections and Christian Bale who works for the te- Tetragard Grammar tar, it's called it's like this secret service where he's just an absolute, this is is martial arts, fictional martial arts called Gun Carter. And he's just phenomenal, phenomenal at it. And, but he misses his dosage and starts to experience emotion and ends up joining the resistance. And it's a great film. I mean, this start and middle can be a bit like long in the tooth,
1: but the end, mate, fuck, so good. So good. That was a great seen Equilibrium. Watch Equilibrium. So good. And I think it's highly underrated.
0: Like a lot of reviews say it's shitty. People kind of were quick to compare it to The Matrix or they're quick to compare it to Fahrenheit um, 451. What, The Train movie? No, Fahrenheit 451 is a Ray Bradbury book about book burning.
1: What film am I
0: thinking of? You'll think of that John Travolta movie. Yeah. What is it? Fucking firefighter Caught in a blaze And he sees his life Before his eyes Man
1: they're on a train And uh The train's It's gotta carry on going or, or, or it gets blown up Or whatever
0: Pendulum one two three That's
1: it Pend pe- The f- take, The taking of Pendulum one two three Which has three. got John Travolta In it as well Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Get, I get
0: it I see where you can Make that connection <laughs>
1: Yeah yeah But I I, just I don't know why Fahrenheit The taking of Pendulum I read it once, cause once it... Do you know what It's a fucking great film like, This is totally irrelevant To any science fiction And shit but Inside Man with Clive Owen and Denzel.
0: I've heard of those. It's good.
1: Fucking really good. Yeah. Really good. Uh, Clive Owen's a bank robber and Denzel's like the guy trying to stop it from happening. They're in inside. They've taken hostages. I can't really say too much more because the twist is insane. Don't spoil it for me I'll I check out.
0: watched Inside Man. Great film. So with Rachel the other night we caught uh, Speed with Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock. Trashy 90s movie. But I was saying to Rachel, as I was watching it, I was like that kind this...
1: of kind of another film that got a sequel, just shot a sequel, shot a sequel out, <laughs> a a sequel out it. Yeah. Well, we can talk about that until until just Keanu, Keanu but, Reeves is like, hell no, am I going on a boat? <laughs> imagine it, imagine he took the job right, and it was him, and he gets stuck in a fucking speed situation again. How
0: unrealistic is that? But this time he's on a boat. Well, I was saying <laughs> to Rachel that um in my mind, as I'm watching it, Speed is one of the greatest. Action movies from a screenwriter's perspective
1: that, right? the first speedmate is that it's got some cheesy ass moments, but it's a great film
0: yeah there's that scene where in the middle of the movie, the bus gets itself onto a, a kind of a private highway that hasn't been finished being built yet, but they don't know that they just think oh you're going to get a stretch of high, highway where there could be no obstacles so <laughs> from a screenwriter's perspective like any important rule when it comes to especially those that type of genre is the tension has to keep building and that's what speed does so well there's always an obstacle and one obstacle is never really resolved there's certain, they, they resolve certain things For if you need the premise it's about a bus that has a bomb on it and Keanu Reeves is this cop trying to stop the bomber but the bus goes below 50 miles an hour, it's going to blow up so he gets on the bus and he's basically trying to contain the situation and Sandra Bullock the, the lead actress, she's the
1: damsel in distress
0: Sort of the damsel in distress, but also like a she does help out quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. Stuff, she yeah. she ends up having to drive the bus. Yeah, yeah,
1: the, yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. She takes over. She becomes the love interest. She becomes on. the bus driver for quite a lot of the movie, actually. Yeah. Sorry, Sandra. I'm. I fucking this is, give you a, a less credit than you deserve for that film. My bad. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> you,
0: she, you are great in speed, actually. Yeah. So that's the premise of the movie. I love how The Simpsons do a piss dick of it. It goes. It was about a bus that was speeding. And if it didn't start speeding, it would blow up. It was called the bus that couldn't slow down. all <laughs> <It laughs> oh, that, 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 that 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 there's a scene in uh, when Millhouse and Bart are on the bus, and Otto's going crazy. I think he's racing with Marge, and uh, Millhouse goes, "Wow, it's like speed two, except on a bus instead of a boat." <laughs> great line. Um, That's a great line. But the, so as you know, I want to be a. I want to. Uh, um, you know, I'm. I'm a an author but I want to write screenplays at some point in my life so I'm looking at it from a screenwriter's perspective and I'm thinking this is the perfect action movie because the stakes keep rising up it's like not only can the bus not slow down but then you've got traffic and then you've got you know all these obstacles the, are, bus driver the, dying. Bus, the bus driver gets shot it's like what do you do about that they can't disarm the bomb they're, le- they're losing gas one of them right so they're on this stretch of highway that's got no obstacles whatsoever so we as, we as an audience can breathe a little bit there's no more obstacles. We're cool now. We just got to figure out. We just got. We just got to. We just got to figure out now how to stop this bomb. And um, but then it turns out that the highway isn't finished because obviously the screenwriter's like, All right, let's throw in another obstacle. And obviously, ne- alongside the bus, you've got like the police cruiser. And one of the guys, was like, Captain, the bridge isn't finished. He goes, What? It's supposed to be finished 18 months ago. I was like, Well, I guess they fell behind. <laughs> <laughs> I guess they fell behind.
1: If <laughs> you're turning around in the car, like, Hold on, I'll do it this way.
2: <laughs>
1: anyway. Blue steel. <laughs> question, because you brought up The Simpsons, I was going to ask you, um, because they, they take the piss out quite a lot of things, pop culture things and that. South Park, what's the greatest.
0: P- piss take they've done pop culture wise. Do you know what's funny? I, I didn't. I was really far behind on on uh, South Park. It wasn't until we got Sky, and it, this it, Comedy Central used to be called Paramount.
1: Mm-hmm, I remember that.
0: And they started showing South Park, but it, and this was te- season... Technically,
1: Comedy Central was still comp- in America.
0: But yeah, but yeah, yeah, To yeah, us, yeah, it was yeah. put on Paramount. Yeah, yeah. And I think this was either season eight or season nine. One of the episodes that I thought was absolutely hilarious, even when I was 13 years of age, it's even funny now that I'm older and I get more of the of the references. But it was um, it was when Cartman watches Passion of the Christ, and he becomes indoctrinated by Mel Gibson's message. He, he suddenly just turns into Hitler, and he gets people coming together to march, and he starts chanting in in uh, in German all these uh, Nazi bloody talking points, or slogans, or whatever you want to call them. And, uh, but on the flip side of that, because what I like about South Park is that they always have kind of two plots playing simultaneously. And the other, the other plot, uh, the other side plot of the episode is Stan. Uh, is it Stan? One with a hat. Not, not Kyle. That's, it's, it's been that long since I've watched it. So Stan and Kenny go to see Passion of the Christ. No, it's either Stan and Kenny or Stan and Kyle. Kyle. I can't remember. But I think Kenny's, no, he's not, he's not dead. So they go to see Passion of the Christ and they fucking hate it. They think it's awful. So they actually try and get their money back off Mel Gibson and they get to his house. It's back then when they actually had the paper cutouts of the celebrity's face. Mm. And Mel Gibson's just off his fucking nut. He's just mental. And it's, yeah, it's just that was an episode that always stuck with me. That one and when uh, a Walmart is introduced into South Park yeah and they burn it down and it just keeps growing back, and they treat it like it that's it, season eight, yeah, yeah, it's like its own entity and it turns into the matrix where you've got the architect and yeah, the t v yeah. the t v department
1: isn't that the episode when um people people die in the Walmart and they shit themselves and they're out of laughing at him. like that's what happened when you die you shit yourself <laughs>
0: like the fucking that's that's how I yeah, like Yeah, so when they when they destroy, I'm basing this on like fifteen year memory. When they finally destroy the wall market, like it implodes in on itself, like a black hole, and then shit just comes out of it. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> the architect's dead. <laughs> I,
1: mean, I think my favorite piss state one is the YouTube one, just because fucking it, it's genius. They've got like that chocolate rain dude, just like popping up everywhere. Go, chocolate rain, like <laughs> <laughs> e- everywhere. Always perfect. <laughs> I can do that for wicked. wicked. Chocolate rain. I don't know the rest of the song though. Well, so it's the only bit I know. <laughs> I
0: actually know a guy. You've met this guy before. It's a Weymouth guy, and uh, he uh, made his own YouTube video where he stitched together the references with the parts himself, part and it got like a million views. Like it did really popular. Obviously, made no money on it because of copyright copyright infringement. But too bad the guy's a cunt. Yeah, you know who I'm on about. He's now a bus driver and he has a receding hairline like robocop <laughs> <laughs> he had it since he was 18 <laughs> <laughs>
1: he
0: just had the receding hairline fucking the shit robocop since he was 18 and he was the shittest host i've ever met like, i went to his house one time me and a bunch of other lads went over there just to get high and he him being the host he turned on his tv and he put on youtube videos and there was just some redneck like all right so i got my banana clip from my ak-47 i'm just gonna Aim it up now, just gotta calibrate the yeah. aim
1: Invites you around to make you force force you to watch FPS Russia videos
0: <laughs> <laughs> No, it was BJ that got me into We Love Russia videos But this guy, this Robocop looking motherfucker No, Russia,
1: FPS Russia. Russia, the fucking Russian dude he used to just shoot guns he was maybe, maybe it was
0: him, maybe it was him But he was just a shit host and I've never gone back to his house since And now I see him passing When I'm in my car and I see him in a bus Yeah, yeah I remember those dudes who invite you around and then just put some put youtube on their youtube but everything they watch was goes back to that, goes back to that russo love talk we're talking about where you know you gotta love you people just want to have want to be surrounded by company so
1: yeah when they're force feeding shit that you're never never gonna watch in your but, life yeah. down your throat my advice is
0: to Fucking. anyone if you can't stand your own company and you have to have people around you no matter who they are at least be a half decent host at least put something decent on youtube yeah for your for your so called friends, like fucking
1: cart or something, you know.
0: Yeah, for your so called friends that are just using you because you're the only friend out of the whole group that has uh, a has, has a the,
1: room that everyone can smoke in. Yeah, that has their own I mean? place. Like nah, because like I used to be be the guy who had the room. You like you come round, my mum would be like, "Yeah, come in. He's upstairs." Like you know what I mean? She wouldn't be like, "Don't you dare smoke marijuana in my establishment, you little fucks." She'd be like, "Yeah, just come in, take off your bra if you like, you know. <laughs> 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 Let those balls." F- flow freely, boys. You know you know me. I'm Jackie Marie. I uh, cook curries. She did actually cook a lot of curries. And uh, mashed potato. And, and sausages,
0: uh, which I ended up taking over. And sausages that Daniel did not let my mum cook. No, so what happened was, we just got to Corby. And um, she was just... And when I... I'm a bit OCD about pork. Like I'm a bit wary. Are you
1: assuming my mum can't cook sausages? She's cooked me sausages my whole life. I'm fine.
0: No, let me explain myself. I'm not, I'm not justifying my behaviour. I just want to explain my behaviour. All right, so... We my mum ma- ma-
1: understands though, like, she don't care
0: A lot of people around me were getting food poisoning And we had a really important podcast Coming up with Flash Peasants that same day And I was like, I'm, getting, I'm not getting sick Over anything I was like, Jackie, let me take over right? Because I like to put my sausages in the oven And just let them burn, cre- cremate them For 40 minutes So that way I know there's no risk And uh, But she's pan frying them And I'm like, let me take over Jackie And I cook the fuck out of them
1: Fair enough, man. They were still
0: nice. Yeah. Still no, enjoyed I was, them. Still enjoyed them. Still feel the hole. But, um, I just wanted to tell that sausage story. Yeah, man.
1: Maybe talk about little adventures on Colby anyway. Why not? Fucking, we had a good little weekend, didn't we?
0: Colby was great, and the flash peasants were great as well. Really, it, it was an obstacle for us. But Alec, when we got back, so it was the first time I ever drove to my hometown. It's only 190 miles away, but I'd never done the journey before. You're a great little co-captain. It's like Meet the Fockers. Thanks, thanks, I was Robert De Niro, and you're Ben Stiller. You want to be my co-captain? No,
1: all they did was read stuff
0: off paper but you know and it worked out worked out a treat and, and it was joke. our first obstacle where we had to set up in someone else's house donna thank you for letting us use your conservatory we had to set up in someone else's house drive do the corby drive which i've never done before set up in someone else's conservatory. Yeah, so this was the same day as well you got barry money traveled 190 miles in the same day set set up the podcast had the flash peasants on did a good interview and then we got it all on the computer it all happened within 48 hours and then we got back here we're sat in this living room 48 hours later and we're just like holy fuck what a ride Me, yeah, because you do not think we went not on him on the, the day after that it wasn't no it was two days after the day after we recorded flash peasants we went to nottingham to watch my dad at an open mic oh, that's still that's still a bit of travel as well not too far but still an is yeah, yeah. driving it just being in people's company it was great i loved it but being in people's yeah, company man. just constantly socializing yeah. and yeah. and by the end of it, we'll just frazzle. It took me about two days to recover from that. Like, I had work Yeah, and man, all I, had
1: that. A, I had a good old long sleep as well. And I remember the day you come in to pick me up to go, like, <laughs> I'd done two edibles and, like, before thinking, oh, I'll get a good night's sleep off of this. I woke up, fucking, like, Mike Tyson had just decked me in the face. Honestly, I was like, holy. I had to message, you, like, give me 15 minutes. <laughs> I'm fucking, like, I was, honestly, I was. It's fuck. all right.
0: I was already pretty much packed and I was laying in my bed, like, Cameron. Oh, was it, like, like, is his name Cameron? from what ferris bueller's day off i'm not sure have you ever seen that film ferris his name is fucking ferris bueller no but his mate's called cameron Oh, hope right. yeah I th- i'm not sure i'm, I'm just sure. he's just he's constantly depressed he hates his life he hates his parents he hates his dad in particular he's just laying there you could hear the music in the background Like, <laughs> he's like he puts his finger on the voice on the on the on the, uh, on the phone uh, receiver he's like hello little is fucking
1: like, little Things Americans have, where it's like back the tapes. Yeah, know, little take uh, They yeah. just press a button and it's like plays it
0: back to them. It's like, I <laughs> So what do you want, Ferris? Ferris yeah. like, come on out, come like, on I'm, di- I'm dying. I'm ill. <laughs> and that's how I felt when you texted me like 15 minutes. Like, oh, thank god.
1: yeah <laughs> no, honestly, I woke up like I was gonna, fall. I was gonna die, man. I was. I just needed. I needed those little 15 minutes, just to extra lie down, you know. But yeah, it was a mad weekend. It was and, great. Uh, and it, and quite it's, fucking. I know it's gonna kind of sound hairy, fairy, but it was quite spiritual, you know. When like that last night when we were just talking with Donna and
0: we pretty much just fuck. It was like a fucking therapy session. We we're just like opening up about shit and we rarely talk about. You know, transcending, wasn't it? Like being yeah. outside of ourselves, putting ourselves in situations that we're not really been in before. And it's like cool. You, you you find out a lot about yourself when you put yourself in different situations that require a degree of thinking. You know, a degree of what was not even that
1: would literally just
0: unload? Oh yeah, no, that was more winding down. It's just such a good vibe in that conservatory, and like stuff I, I rarely talk about. I was just fucking, you know, getting it
1: all off my chest, and it was because it was good to have a perspective like that from Donna. Like I can I don't know how to describe her personality. Gregarious.
2: Nah, not quite warm.
1: gregarious. Yeah, warm and. Opening and very like relaxing, and yeah. uh, you just felt comfortable talking about that shit with her. Cause she and I, I, I said this in the flash presence. I say shit in a good way, like. But anyway, and I, yeah, I just felt comfortable talking about it. It's like sort of saying, and she'd give you good advice as well. She was giving good advice back, and it, it stuck with me. It did. It actually stuck with me, and it's. You know, you know, someone's a good soul and fucking their advice sticks with you, because mm. if someone just gives you advice and it goes over your head, you know, like they're just talking
0: nonsense. Yeah, she's very wise and Donna's got some good stories to tell and I can't wait for her to be on the podcast because, you know, she she lived in South Africa during the apartheid. So she's got a lot of stories to tell. Speaking of South Africa, there was this author I read <laughs> named Tom Sharp. What a segue. <laughs> <laughs> talking of South Africa, talking so, of the apartheid. <laughs> there was this British author named Tom Sharp and I read a book by him called Riotous Assembly. It's basically about these two really corrupt cops in South Africa. Oh man, the book is just fucking wild but I laughed out loud. Like there's this there's this lawyer that's got a speech impediment and one of the commanders is is uh confessing. And he's like, What'd you confess to? And he's like, Lesbianism <laughs> and The speech impediment lawyer's like, Lesbianism That's impossible <laughs> <laughs> and that just really fucking i read that out loud and i thought that was hilarious and i read it to people close to me and they didn't find it funny because i'm reading off a page i'm like that's been that's impossible and getting no laughs from that just broke my heart like <laughs> why are
2: they not laughing
0: because they're assholes.
2: <laughs> 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 that
1: is impossible <laughs> impossible what film is that all no, 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 that's, um, that's from the book. Yeah, but there's a film where the guy's like, <laughs> I don't know. Am I thinking of Life of Brighton?
0: I don't know. No. I tell you what, here's, I just thought of a really trashy film that I love, A Guilty Pleasure of Mine. What? It's like, I'm not a big fan of disaster movies, <laughs> but one in particular that I fucking love is The Core. Disaster movie, <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> Desire, sure, yeah. sure Fuck that shit. There's a film called The Core, came out in 2003. Pierce Brosnan? No, no. Aaron e- Eckhart. Oh that's fucking Deep Deep
1: Impact. That's the Pierce Brosnan one, the volcano one.
0: The volcano one is called Deep Impact. No, that's the Tommy yeah. Lee Jones one because it was.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Dante's Dante's Peak. Yeah, that's it. I knew it began with a D. It is Dante's
0: Peak. You're right. I'm just thinking of Dante from Grandma's Boy. <laughs> what is that ringing do I'm i have gonna, a tumor i was just about to <laughs>
1: fucking say that exact line you motherfucker and there's
0: the fucking king of the jungle do i have a tumor
1: <laughs> he's just like it's his actual ringtone like,
0: is that you <laughs> i fucking quit there m- fucking months ago bro <laughs>
1: yeah. you're like what the fuck i quit there months ago man it's like the next day <laughs> get the fear shit get the fucking like, shit. i've never been that high where i think a month's gone by the next day <laughs> i've never been that
0: high have you I've been in some precarious situations. <laughs> I mean,
1: wait, what month is it? I've never been like One that. One
0: time I smoked two pipes and then <laughs> I sat down on my living room couch all, all, all by myself. And I just thought, <laughs> I really want to socialize with someone right now. So I messaged Jordan Tree Walker. I was like, I'm coming to your house, bro. It's quarter past nine at night on a weekday. Coming he, to pop that spot, bro. <laughs> and he's just like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sorry, Jordan. And he's just like, <laughs> okay. And I jumped my car. Forgetting I just smoked two pipes of weed. Right. right, I'm driving through my estate at quarter past nine at night, and I was just like, Where am I? But not like, Where am I geographically? Where am I in my life right in now? The universe. In the universe, there was no concept of the past tense or the future tense. I'm just, it's like memento where a scene begins, and this is. I basically, the weed made me live in, in media res. I was in the middle of the action, but I don't know how I got there. <laughs> I was just like. I'm in a car. <laughs> what are these buildings? And then was it
1: that is it your hairdresser car as well? Was that the hairdresser
0: car as well? It might have been the actually. Mazda. Yeah, I was the in my Mazda. Down there. I was in my soft top Mazda, <laughs> having it a fucking existential worse. crisis high off two pipes. <laughs> like, where am I?
1: <laughs> in, in the U- you're just trying to you're indicating, but the fucking convertible comes down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, because you had to take it off yourself. <laughs> You're trying to steer, but instead you're lifting the fucking. Mate, I was, that car was cursed. I was going through a midlife crisis at 27 years of age. I just didn't know where I was going in life and who I was. I had a nice job, it's the same job I got now, but I was doing 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 it for five days a week, and I was doing a bit of PT on the side, and I was just like going insane. I knew what I wanted to be. I wanted to be a writer, but this is 2019. This is before any of that shit happened that gave me the opportunity to, to pursue that. I was like. I was losing my mind. And then I was hanging out with this guy down the road from Rack's place here. And he was obsessed with Mazdas because he was into tuning and all that. He worked at Quick Fit. and see like, Brewing and, and all that. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah we yeah. drive past a Mazda MX5 it's What geezer. Selling for £1,200. And we're like, let's get it. So he inspects the car. Better in mind, like, this guy's just a tire fitter. He looks at the car and he's like, yeah, it's it's good. I was like, right. Well, if he says it's good, then it's good. <laughs> and then spent £1,200 on it. And with my mum at the time because obviously she has to. Um, she had to take me there and um, she's just like I've got she
1: wasn't like what the fuck are you doing pretty much
0: she's like what the fuck are you doing £1,200 on this it's why like, the fuck the one time you should have listened to your mum I know I know and I bought it pay, paid the money did the insurance this that and the other and um, it starts off alright and there was just one disaster after another disaster the power steering pipes go on me there was a the whole situation with a fucking timing belt and then one time I go to try and parallel park it, I think that's what it's called, where you sort of reverse and into mm-hmm. a space, right? And um, there's like this Jurassic Park fucking Jeep, <laughs> and I'm trying to get past it, but the mirrors are aligned wrong, and I fucking, it's got like this big rusted pipe along it like a bumper, yeah. and I fucking scratched the car on it. <laughs> I could hear that. <laughs> Did it go? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <commerce> you son of a bitches, you've done
0: it! Sorry, Carry. No, that's cool, man. Uh, that the sound that that made of my car scratching against that pipe. This car was uh, off yours. It was off. Mine was the one that was getting fucking scratched. Mm. And this car was just fucking cursed, mate. And even when I first started dating Rachel, she was just like, "What the fuck are you driving?" It's my master. I surprised you still live in fucking that car, man. Jesus, I'm not. I know. Well, she stuck around, and then eventually—that's how
1: you know you got to keep her, mate. If she's sticking with you, and
0: you got a fucking convertible, mate. <laughs> fuck. I know she hated getting in that car. I never did long journeys in that car,
1: mate. Have I seen? if you pulled up to me in that car? I would have kicked your ass. <sighs> but go on, before we come fucking come flying off the subject again. There is actually, because I just clicked in my brain, there is actually one time I have been so high that I thought I was, I'll tell the story, fucking, you were coming around, right, I knew you were coming around the next day, and I was up to like 6 in the morning, I thought, if I go sleep now, and this was back when I was proper lazy, so I could sleep from like 7am to like 5pm, like. I could do it, I don't know how I've done it, but I could do it I can't do that anymore, if I go sleep at 4 o'clock in the morning Now I'm still up at half ten Anyway So I get to 6 in the morning And I'm like, if I go sleep now, fuck that I, I have to do an all-nighter, so I did the all-nighter And then like, obviously The uh, the lingerer comes around Fucking, <laughs> won't, won't mention his name, his but name. We, we don't nah, We don't need any more curses On this podcast Um <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> so I'll just call him the lingerer linger, oh man. Fucking linger anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah why, why are you baking a cake for? It's for my cat. I don't see a cat running around here, man. He's 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 dead. <laughs> anyway, yeah, the linger comes around. So, and then 2 hours later, I'm sitting with the linger for a bit, smoking bear in mind I've done the and then you come round about fucking normally about five, six I can't remember what time anyway no one cares <laughs> um, so yeah you come round and you and Linga are speaking and I'm sitting I remember I had that big fucking comfy ass like PC chair it was made of leather and it was just fucking like, the feet could go up and everything I was just sitting on that I can't remember what yous were playing either one of yous were playing Fallout and watching the other and just chatting or I don't know what yous were playing and I was sitting there just watching the telly and then, but your voices were just like mmm, mm, 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 mm. like murmurs. I couldn't really decipher what you were saying, and then I just like felt like I was above you, watching down, fucking listening to you talk, and I just like a proper out of body experience. That's the one time I've been yeah. that high. But I think at the
0: the all nighter must have c- contributed to that. Here's a weird story for you. It's gonna sound really hairy fairy, but it's on it's relevant to what you're saying. So on uh new year's eve just gone i got quite drunk and i got stoned while i was with rachel and it wasn't even like an out-of-body experience it's like i transcended through time because i moved here when i was 16 years of age and the year before that when i was in our last year of school i came here to to visit my uncle and celebrate the new year and i remember sitting on his couch on the balcony that overlooked portland and i shit my pants because i was like oh my god i'm gonna finish school and i'm gonna come to what no job no education what the fuck am i gonna be doing i I shit myself 15 years of age and then i
1: mean when i finished school i was the same i was like, i finished school and i sat down like once we once it was proper to finish we got our grades and all that and i was like the fuck am i gonna do it just hit me all at once i was like
2: whoa
0: yeah well like that feeling yeah well i got it six months before we'd finished school because i knew i was moving to this town and so that's when i said to my mum. I want to continue my education, and that's when I ended up doing media studies, and that sort of resolved that issue. And then I did a year of media, I did a year of sports, and then so I'm doing my sports now. And I'm 17 years of age. I sit back in that garden again, but I didn't smoke weed back then. But I'm pretty convinced that because they're all smoking weed in that house, that I got a contact high. You do, man. If you don't really, if you, smoking, if you don't smoke, yeah, exactly. And it's
1: in the atmosphere. You do, because I, I remember my mum's boyfriend used to smoke, and I'd get a little buzzy feeling, like a little buzz. And I would be 13, 14, and like. I, I didn't know what it was,
0: but I felt something, you know. Like, But I'd never be like, oh, mummy, I'm high. <laughs> well, I'd always, so I think the, the contact I was was related to these epiphanies I'd have on that balcony. So 17 years of age now, two years later from that, from that moment, New Year's Eve, right, so it was two years to the day. I'm sat there, and I'm like, cool, man, I'm doing all right. I'm at college, I'm in Weymouth, I'm settled, everything's all good. And I just felt really, it was a real happy moment. And I remember like, going home and going on the old fucking msn messenger and talking to you about writing that's Mm -hmm. when you and i realized we're both into writing and uh but anyway so going back to the new year just gone 29 years of age just published my first book i get really stoned i get really drunk and i'm laying back on rachel's couch and i'm just fucking transcending in my brain it was just so lucid like my imagination was just on another level and it just felt like time traveling where i felt like i went back to my 17 year old self and just said you fucking did it man you did it it's all good enjoy yourself it was like i was saying to myself enjoy yourself mm-hmm. and i was given such good vibes it was like it was almost like it came about i know it sounds like i'm just fucking talking harry fairy but it was just the emotion of it was hairy nice harry fairy hairy that's fairy. our
1: new fucking word in it harry fairy. fairy for anything that sounds <laughs> <Yeah>. ridiculous <laughs> it sounds really fucking harry fairy but <laughs> yeah.
0: regardless it was just such a nice experience i just opened my eyes I was like Rachel I just fucking time travelled and she's fucking drunk and stoned as well she's like kill cool. tell me why all about it I'm <laughs> sucking
1: sucking her titties <laughs> I, suck her titties.
0: <laughs> oh. <laughs> I wasn't sucking her titties we're just quoting yeah it's if Rachel makes it this far was like what do you mean we suck? just said that for dramatic effect why are you telling people you're sucking my titties <laughs> because I <it> was because <laughs>
1: I'm doing that for dramatic effect babe <laughs> do you know what else is a good cheesy 90s film Air Force One with Harrison Ford right okay I used to, whenever I'd go around my aunties, my boring aunties, no offence, I love it to bits, but like, you'd go, whenever my mum would be like, right, like, that weekends and that, she'd be like, right, staying at Annie Helen's Hellen, Annie this week, I'd be like, in my brain, i am like, "Oh fuck, I'm not fucking Annie <laughs> Helen's, <coughs> fucking boring ass, fucking, just boring, you know, for a kid, yeah, and, uh. They'd always put Air Force, I'd always beg them to put Air Force One on. It, it'd be the highlight. I just fucking love that film for some reason. I Haven't watched it recently. It Might not age well, but but anyway, it's Speed. Yeah, fucking. I get it, man. I do get it. Actually, I need to watch it. But Speed always, over time, has always stuck with me in my brain. Like it's a yeah, good film.
0: Like I said, I just see it from from a writing perspective. I'm like this is like a, I, can, I, can, I can I can I can
1: admit there is bad like there is that, bad that, that bus
0: doing the gap. That's yeah. dumb.
1: Yeah, there is, like, there is stupid, but Speed is a good film. Yeah. It is a fucking great film.
0: But there are some dumb moments in it where I'm just like, oh, that just destroys the yeah. credibility that this piece of shit action movie had going for it.
1: But if you think about it, Terminator 2 has some fucking stupid moments in it. Yeah. yeah all these great films have at least one it's fucking like stupid moment in it.
0: Phase three Marvel movies, you could always hear the the, the unheard laugh track in it. Yeah, uh,
1: yeah, yeah. you know when there's supposed to be a fucking... You know. you noticed, Every time Groot says a Groot, you think, oh, well, I bet kids are laughing now. Yeah, and there's almost like there's
0: a pause.
1: Yeah. A, ha, ha, ha. I noticed it a lot in Infinity War. Yeah. Because it is such a like non- non-stop, like, Thanos is trying to get the stones. So whenever it is all the characters together, it's light-hearted. Mm. Like, that's when you notice it the most. And especially, end game's not so bad, but at beginning and end game, especially when they visit 4 for the first time, there's a lot of unnecessary, like, I'll admit though, the Xbox Live bit is funny. Yeah. When he's when he's fucking, <laughs> that is funny. Yeah. But um, my mine is Into the Spider-Verse.
0: Yeah. Fucking great film. Yeah, I watched it? that recently. I can understand it's such a good film.
1: Like I I I didn't think I know those nineties Spider-Man cartoons. They're great, but I didn't think it, a, a fucking C.D.I. slash cartoon. What would
0: you call that animation style? I don't know. It's something else, isn't it? Because it's because so...
1: you at times you can really tell it's cartoony, but then at times it looks so fucking good. It's, like especially the beginning. Yeah, it's got
0: so much to it that it, so many layers to it. I don't I know the trailer. how to describe the art style like but kinetic fucking... interactive i don't know what you'd call that mm. there's, a, there's a word for it and we'll we'll find out what that is but um it just
1: i think they got i don't know who writ it, but it's just mm. it's really it's good written so good. Especially, especially when they're introducing Peter Parker and at the start, he's like, "All right, I'll do this quickly," and he's just running through how he's Spider Man. Especially when it comes to like the Spidey Three scene, he's like, "And I did this. I don't know why I did this, but I did it." And he just, but it's not the Peter. It's not like, "Oh, mate, it's just so good." Yeah. And especially when Miles Morales is, um, when he becomes fully Spider Man, it's good. But it, like when peter's training him it's the best. It's the best yeah. it's the fucking best spider-man shit I've ever seen yeah. I, I can't explain why i think it's because he's frustrated into the shit you know miles morales says he's frustrated into the shit with like most spider-man films it's kind of like a somber fucking beginning he gets bit then it's a bit like and then it starts going pfft. yeah with this like you get the start or you okay. get like the fucking 10 20 minutes of my miles morales and then he gets bit with his uncle mate, that twist as well is good isn't it his, his uncle was, forget his name yeah, was, he, he's Atom. that that hit me actually I was like fucking was didn't good. see that going and that Atom character as well imagine him in live action that's fucking creepy when he's running through the subway like so I'm high. Man, we can wrap up episode 92 now if you want 92 <laughs> I'm joking 47
0: <laughs> yeah man alright well Like and subscribe That camera Shibby That camera Yoda Like and subscribe
1: Follow the Instagram Subscribe to the channel Peace